0: Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. You're also okay to like to debate the merits of all that they've seen comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, of the Show. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, and welcome to 2020. Are you ready, Noel? I am. I am ready. You want to know why I'm
1: ready? Why are you ready? Because for the past 10 years, we've everyone's been saying, like, you know, 2010. We're not going to say 2020. We're going to start saying 2020 and 2021 and 2022. And I personally am very happy about this as someone who said 2001, said 2002. <laughs> um, so I'm very happy about this. Um, what I'm not happy about is that my partner and I started the new year with having to empty our fridge and freezer of all its contents because the compressor and our refrigerator busted and we're living out of a cooler for all our cool foods right now that's not what you want that's not no good. it's not no. it's not good at all it's very so bad thing. yeah it's it's very bad we're hoping to get a new fridge soon um but that's how our new year started how did your new year begin well uh listeners it, it occurs to
0: me that I was so key to get into uh the start of the year that I didn't actually introduce us uh this is Kate colzikck joined everybody, by Patrick <laughs> but uh my 2020 started with watching Paddington 2 for the yes. first time so yes. I mean anyone who's listening knows what that means and if you don't know what that means get the to I think it's on HBO uh get yes. the to to a, a video rental place somehow and watch pennington too because it's so good and i know that everyone says that and that's why you know it still didn't get me to get off my butt and watch it until just the the stars aligned this week um but just like it's just so wonderful like five minutes in i I was just like bowled over with just how first of all perfectly me it is yes um but also just how just like the start of that movie the whole movie is great but like when, as, as soon as you get to the pop-up book, and, and you're watching, and there's, listeners, again, if you don't know this movie at all, it's just like, Paddington is like, should I get a, I ooh, I could get a pop-up book for my aunt. And, but then they take the time to go into the pop-up book, and your heart just grows, and it's just wonderful and magical and so meaningful and so like, so special that they took the time to do that. that they, this is the kind of movie that cares about this kind of thing. That either it, you will go like, oh, that's nice. And then in that case, probably this is not going to be a movie that you connect with. Or like me, you're sitting there like, why am I crying five minutes into a movie? Just because there's like paper cutouts of like a boat. Why is that? My heart it's beautiful, and I love it. And get thee to Paddington, everyone.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I was completely devastated when I saw that uh, Variety's movie critic, Owen Gilberman, I think, uh put Paddington 2 on one of his most overrated films of the decade. Yeah, th- that was one of those trash articles going around that yes. I did not click on. Right, and that was the correct choice. And, I mean, completely wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. it's... It's, it's not only delightful and emotional and funny in a way that you've sort of alluded to, but it's also just really well constructed. Nothing in that movie is wasted. The introduction of what all the family has been up to since the first movie, like doing yoga, studying trains and all this stuff, all comes together in the end of the movie for the climax. And it's just like, that's just good script. That's just good script writing. That's just good structure And it's not wasting anything. There's an economy of action and narrative in this movie that is just really wonderful. And a model for a number of other movies that you could watch um, in terms of what they do and how they do it. But nothing feels wasted in this movie. And it's just really wonderful. And you also have Hugh Grant just chewing all the goddamn scenery.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I haven't seen Paddington 1. The first Paddington movie, so Yeah. And I, I have a vague recollection of the books, but I don't have a connection to the to the you know, yeah, the literary, do I. fictional, yeah. you know, like character. Um, but no, if anything, I feel like it's underrated because people had all said oh, it's really good. It's very good. But no one had like I feel like I feel like I needed friends of the show who I'm sure th- tried to do this and thought they were doing this. I just wasn't listening. To like mm-hmm. the, the internet equivalent of just like like stop Like just stop you, hold hold you by the shoulders and be like, Wait, stop moving. Seriously though, dead in the eyes. Seriously though, you need to watch this movie. You will absolutely love it. It is a beautiful like celebration of humanity. And what a and and also just what a powerful like in the context of everything that's been going on politically in the UK for the past several years, what a powerful anti Brexit statement this is as well. Like it's it's so many things plus also then peter capaldi showing up just to be hilariously terrible for like like the cast is just full of of uh beloved british actors showing up for either like one line or a significant role depending um but yeah listeners I, this is this is your friendly podcast hosts stopping you holding you by the shoulders going like no seriously just take a second i'm n- I really mean this one. You will really love it. And if you don't, I think you'll know in the first like ten minutes and then you can turn it off.
1: Yeah, and I think you should also watch Paddington one because it's equally good. See, that
0: tells see, there we go. Done. Yeah. And like, like I I I was watching it with my parents and my sister called while we were watching and and so I answered, like, Hi, I can't talk because we're watching Paddington 2. And she's like, Paddington? why? And I was like, it's beautiful and you're gonna love it. I mean, she's, you know Maggie's oh, Maggie, gonna love it. gonna love it. She's gonna absolutely love it. But we can't talk now. I will talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Hang up. <laughs> this, and actually, like, I'm gonna go see Little Women uh, probably to, uh, oh, tomorrow it's
1: so good
0: right i know i'm gonna love it but it's I, really I w- good i was trying to get because i wanted to go with my sister and i don't know hopefully she'll be able to join us because I, I, I know that she's gonna love it but uh she's iffy so i was like okay okay mom and dad uh little one we need to go see little woman and i was like go with your mom and i was like he's like why would and i was like mm, why don't you want to go and he's like why well, don't still feel like yeah i was like paddington he's like fair enough fair enough <laughs> It's like, yeah, I wouldn't expect that I would like Paddington either. And it was absolutely beautiful. So that's, you know, I feel like that is going to be a a good, like, jump in point on on things. And I'm very excited for it. And also, then I get to be the person that introduces members of my extended family to Paddington. And I have a feeling that because nobody in my extended family that I've talked to, has seen it, um, mm-hmm. and I already have a sense of who will like it, and who will be like, "Yeah, it's fun," and who will be like, "Oh my god, guys, this is
1: amazing." So
0: I, I'm very excited about that part
1: of it, at least. Yeah, and so I look forward to hearing back about you spreading the gospel of Paddington. Mm-hmm. So the Calsac clan, so the Calsac clan,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, to you know, there's the yeah, it's it's a it's a range of of like styles and types of media that we appreciate um in in the of family so i don't know that it will connect in the same way as it did for me with everyone but i think there are at least a few who are gonna love it you know what i also love the fact that my viewing over the last few weeks has been like the two things i have most strongly connected to over the last two weeks are paddington and lucifer which I am now a hardcore Lucy fan. We are gonna
1: talk about it in the weekend TV. But so late to that ship. I mean, it's about to it's about to go down.
0: There's one more <laughs> season and I will uh-huh. be ready for it. But I, I enjoy that those are like I'm sure that my 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 algorithm is very confused right now. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll talk about that more too. But that that's like that is incredibly entertaining to me that those are my new biggest connection uh, media things for these last couple of weeks. Uh, I actually, frankly, expect us to talk longer about Paddington than we did. But I feel like we should probably get into our week in TV. We have a lot of shows to catch up with. We do. Um, Lots of finales. Like, normally at the end of the year, there's, like, nothing. But there were several shows that had, that fit, like, wrapped up their seasons while we were doing our best of the year and all of that. Um, so that'll be all be coming in our week in TV. But we, we have our winter TV preview this week. We're we're gonna talk through the next like three, four months of premieres. Mostly premieres, a few returns, but mostly like brand new shows. And there's a couple we've seen that we'll have some thoughts on, but mostly it'll just be like here's a heads up, here's what's coming. And uh yeah, there's a lot of them. So you should probably get to it. Any final thoughts on Paddington? Just
1: it's so good. It's so good. It it warms my heart. It's yeah. like a sweater.
0: Yeah, it's a heart. It's a cozy Heart sweater, yeah, absolutely Absolutely Well, on that cheery note And that beautiful, warm, heartening note Let's listen to some Mr. Music Man uh, And (laughs) come back with our weekend TV Uh, We'll be back right
1: after I should have prepared more (laughs) There is music here, music there Music, music everywhere Choose your ear, be aware You're making music everywhere When you tap a pen on a paperback book Not too loud, but you get the point Toss a dress shirt in a laundry sack Subtle sound, let me find something else I have a clarinet What? Listen when I say what songs are about. I'm making music. You're ignorant. I'm making music. Ha ha. There is music here. Music there. Music, music everywhere. Use your ears. Be aware. You're making music everywhere.
0: That was Jake Gyllenhaal on John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. Uh, which the special of which uh, premiered while we were doing our end of the year shows. So this week in our week in TV, it's actually our three weeks in TV. So we've got a few different things to catch up on. We're going to kick things off with comedies um, and including and starting with the John and the Sack Lunch Bunch special. Then we'll talk briefly about Fresh Off the Boat, Jessica Town. Uh, Noel has a catch up with Carol and Tuesday, part two which dropped and I caught up on Noel's suggestion with Infinity Train Season 1 because Cartoon Network dropped the first episode of Infinity Train Season two or book two which is actually premiering next week um the black market car so first up is John Mulaney and the sack lunch bunch and I watched the first half of this and I stopped stopped because I was watching the family and this is the kind of special as I was watching this I was like okay I see what you're doing I get it I'm not laughing though I'm just kind of observing it and it's interesting to me you know, because of its inspirations and these different things it's doing and I can appreciate it, but this is the wrong group of people to be watching this with because this is one of the most niche comedic things I've seen in a very long time. I still have not gotten back to the second half of it, but when I say John Mulaney to my family, uh, the specials that we've watched, they have all loved. Like we, like mm-hmm. as also someone from the Chicagoland area, from the Midwest, who uh, grew up, who was raised Catholic, and has a lot of very similar cultural references uh, and touch mm-hmm. points. There is uh, Mulaney's stand up is well received in, in this family, Uh and none of us laughed once in Sack Lunch Bunch, and uh, so it just, it was a dead room. I'm sure that when I go back to it and finish it, because I will, I it will probably work much better for me <laughs> in just watching it by myself, which will be a friendlier room <laughs> than the room I was watching it in. But I have to say, having only seen the first half, I am somewhat surprised that it's, so far, so beloved, because um, I, like, I didn't feel like there were the layers I wanted there to be, but as someone who really appreciated it and all, I'm hoping you could tell me either what I was missing or whether it all kind of like comes together in the second half at some point and then it makes things click in and then work even better. Because for me it was like, yeah, this is an interesting experiment, but I actually left more, this is going to be a sick burn at the John Mulaney TV show that I did at this, and that is...
1: That is harsh. a really harsh burn. That yeah. hurts.
0: So, so tell me what I'm missing and what what like, what like I'm getting wrong here, because everybody else seems to love it.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing. I don't think that you're necessarily missing anything, honestly. Um, I think it is operating in its very sort of niche vein of John Mulaney decided to make a Sesame Street-esque sort of thing. And parts of it work, I think, really, really well. Um, largely, the non-singing parts work really, really well, because as much as I like a number of the songs, they also go on just for way too long is one of the larger problems that I have with it. Um, But I think that the charisma of the kids and the show's obsession with death (laughs) and fear (laughs) really kind of helps to keep me, kept me engaged with it. Um, So I generally really, really enjoyed my time with it. Um, And I don't think that it necessarily clicks to place in, in the end of it um, which uh, caps off with the song that we played with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mr. Music uh, and Gyllenhaal is channeling Will Farrell of all people through most of that and it's a really fascinating sort of performance piece from him in a year of performance pieces for him as a deranged art critic and then as a very upset former Stark employee um, I feel like it's more than one Year I feel like he's been making very interesting choices for a while. Yeah, he has. This year, I think, just kind of distilled all of it into a number of different ways. Um, But I, I do think that you're not necessarily missing anything. There were, like, stretches where my partner and I just kind of went, this is taking a little while to get through in terms of the musical numbers, again, in particular, just going on a little too long. Um, so there needed to be some editing, but we all we both really enjoyed the talking head segments where the producers are talking to the kids uh because of the whole a kids say the darndest things, but also B of from the mouth of babes sort of thing of how they talk about the fears and dying and death and that kind of a thing so i think that there's plenty i think that there's a really good unifying vision here but some of the sillier songs that are very much intended to both hail audiences but hail children as well they don't hit that balance quite as well as i think that they want to and i think that the big result is that it ends up feeling a little too kid-centered sometimes especially again with the songs without being able to fully hail like adults at the same time and i think that that kind of imbalance is what keeps it from really being something that i think you'd go back to every year with your family um around this time or just every now and then if you wanted to laugh with the exception of the mr music number which i still think is one of the funniest things that i watched last year it's just deliriously good it just i don't think it comes together but it's such a also a distillment of a lot of Mulaney's comedy that i think that's the other thing is that there's a lack of a stand up build to it that doesn't allow things to snap into focus so it feels a little more um scattered in a number of places and i think that's ultimately the, its biggest failing apart from the inability to properly hail its, both of its audiences
0: yeah, you mentioning the the musical numbers, um, I mean cuz like the, especially after the Diner Lobster Lay <laughs> Mis Musical right. and the Bodega Cat m- musical number from the last few times uh Melanie Hostess and L, I expected a lot more out of these songs. Um and the one that immediately popped into my head was the Grandma's got a boyfriend named Paul or whatever song that and I and I I just kept watching I was watching this going like I get that the the fact that it's that the song is actually too long and too repetitive and and it, you know the the pacing is just so different is part of the point. It's like I can see what you're doing, but I don't actually think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually too faithful to the genre that it's contribute like that it's inspired by to actually for me make the comedic po- like points kind of land, to make the the moments really hit. Um and if they tightened it up then it wouldn't feel the way they want it to feel which is like those old school specials um but yeah i do agree some of the t- the moments with the kids are funny like i the the what like the discussion of fears and stuff actually made me think of a youtube video uh that i saw a while back of billy eilish interviewing kids about what about what they're afraid of and it's just delightful and super fun and um led to discussions of spiders and, and, and th- and such. Um, that was absolutely delightful. And, and uh, I w- might go watch that YouTube video again. We're <laughs> done recording. Cause it was super fun. Um, so I, I, I do, I like, I will be watching the rest of it, but, it's. I have very high expectations for for Molini because I think he's so good when he's when it's all you know where it needs to be. Or I would even compare it to the Seth Meyers standup, which I thought was good, but I was hoping it would be even better. Right. And that's that's on me. That's my expectations. That's not fair to put that onto the the show itself. But yeah, I'm glad that I'm not just completely out of. Th- missing something out of the blue so it's just more about a personal taste situation um but that also has to be much more encouraged than about this music mr music (laughs) thing at the end because like yeah then i'm very i'm even more excited
1: for it if you don't like it i don't know that we can continue to do this is the problem oh uh, <laughs> okay no, i'm just kidding
0: thank you for helping me lower those stakes yeah, right you yeah, know like yeah, yeah. put those expectations in a more reasonable place <laughs> um but yeah no but because the, then it's even more encouraging because i mean it's not like yeah. oh and the the whole beginning was hilarious too it's, it's, yeah oh no um so we'll we'll see i i look forward to to catching up with the rest of it and uh completing you know like it's because it has been bothering me It's was like i had not really want to go watch the rest of it, but I also, it's been bothering me that I haven't finished it yet, so that will probably happen later, later today. Um, For now, though, let's go to our next show in the week in TV, or the weeks in TV, and that is Fresh Off the Boat and Jessica Town, which mostly we're mentioning because this is, this is not our first trip to Jessica Town, right? We've, we've zoomed in before. I always love Jessica Town, and I am very glad that they brought it back in their last season.
1: I am, too. And it was just really fun um, to get like a little bit of singing, a little bit of dancing, um, kind of a, hey, Constance Wu, if you leave, you don't get to do this kind of thing on our show anymore. Um, Yeah, it's a nice reminder of just how good a singer she is. And the answer is very. Right. So between that and then the good story with Lewis, um, I just thought it was a nice, strong final christmas um sort of episode but i realized that because it was a christmas episode we ju- we and it's 1999 we've just skipped over the election somehow in florida mm. and i don't understand why that choice was made <laughs> that's very like that hadn't occurred to me. but
0: you're right and that's very weird if only yeah. for like lewis jokes i feel like right there should have been a special at the you know the restaurant around it or something
1: yeah I mean they just missed a bunch of hanging Chad jokes and I don't know what to do about mm-hmm. that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's very strange. Um what about Carol and Tuesday? I know you were excited about the first part. Did the second part
1: yeah. uh you know follow up on that? It, it live up to it? So Carol and Tuesday does a pivot. Um in its second season away from sort of like engaging with the um Engaging with the music industry in a way and our conception thereof of the music industry, Uh, which is what it does really successfully, I think, in the first season with um, its Mars Idol-esque sort of uh, arc that the season has. And then this concept of mass manufactured music through an AI kind of thing. And all of that stuff gets really nicely set up in the first season. So I was really excited about the payoffs. And then the show goes, (laughs) uh, no, we're actually not talking about any of that stuff anymore. We're going to talk about immigration. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that's a perfectly reasonable thing to pivot to, given that Carol comes from Earth, immigrated to Mars, is an orphan. And... All of that. But then the show doesn't have the courage of its convictions to kind of engage with what art contributes to a political conversation. Tuesday's mom's political campaign ramps up really significantly, becomes a very nationalistic campaign, a very Mars first campaign, very anti-immigration driven. But the show at its core ultimately wants to be about the strength of humanity and overcoming those things. And it doesn't feel particularly earned. And it also undermines its own climax in a way of everyone gets together to do a big star studded celebrity telethon sort of deal. Almost um, basically a, we are the world kind of deal that it's narrative then undercuts the potency of to a certain degree while also refusing to engage in other political things that it wants to discuss. So nature of AI and algorithmic control but also ability to read people and manipulate people um, never really comes to the forefront as much as they kind of want it to. And then just the political aspect just never fully lands in a way that makes sense because of where the show wants to end with, it, with this very strong Heartfelt, believe in each other kind of thing to do be our best. Um, that feels disingenuous within the current climate and everything, uh, but also just kind of feels a little disingenuous within the show itself. Um, and so its final message that Carolyn Tuesday continues dot 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 in your mind mm-hmm. is just like a weird sort of thing to be like, remember that we can all be good kind of thing, but also as an audience member, you go, that's a really nice sentiment. It doesn't work. And that's (laughs) weird. Um, Are you talking about
0: fanfic?
1: Yeah, like I mean, I know that you mean in the world and how we perceive it and how we approach it, but no. (laughs) No. Uh, so I was a little frustrated by this. There are significantly fewer original songs this time around because of the fact that they're not in a competition. So we don't get a lot of songs this time. Um, and just the arc of the plot just never wants to fully engage with the actual political storytelling that it is ostensibly interested in. Um, so it was kind of a weird letdown pivot. Um, and I was glad that, the, while this was never like really in the running for my top 20 I'm glad I didn't include it in my top 20 based on the first half um because i would have been like oh no that that didn't need to be there <laughs> after watching this um so that's kind of where it was is like i really liked the first part but there's almost no reason to watch the second part just because it's so squishy hmm yeah
0: okay well that's disappointing yeah um yeah that is that is one hell of a pivot i mean like Tell the story you're interested in telling. Don't stay in the music industry just because you feel like you should, or because your first season was that, even if you don't have any stories to tell. Don't get me wrong. But uh, that is, yeah, that's interesting. That's, yeah. Um, So is it the show completely over then? Yeah, it's done. It's completely done. Okay. So it's not like it's in your mind until we come back with a surprise. Okay. Um, It's almost certainly kaput. Then do you recommend that people watch the first season And then just don't worry about the second or watch both or watch neither. Where do you fall on it?
1: I've generally, I would recommend watching the first one because I do think that it's a really good sort of lampooning slash embrace both of the music industry and the contemporary music industry in particular. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that the first part just stands very well, um, even in conjunction with the first part. Um, So... And it was also just kind of frustrating because I was just like, Oh, we're we're really gonna do this and then they just don't do it well. Mm-hmm. So
0: Okay. Well that that's yeah. good to know. Um yeah, because I do still, I still have that on my list, along with Given, right, of the different, yeah. especially where you're like, you're like, Kate, come on, it's an it's a very good anime, I'm telling you it's really yeah. good, you know I have good taste, and it's about musicians, come right. on, yeah, you will like this, so it's good to know that I should keep that on that list, uh, along with another show, which is now, I should say is now off the list, because I did watch it after you told me to watch it, and that's Infinity Train, which is... Absolutely as delightful as you said. Um, Listeners, you can find all 10 episodes, uh, each of which are 15 minutes, on the Cartoon Cartoon Network.com, I think. But certainly you can find them if you have – they're on demand. If you have uh, the Comcast or whatever, if you have cable and you have Comedy and you have Cartoon Network, you will also have access to all of Season 1 and the first episode of Season 2, which they released online – ahead i guess but it is airing next week on on monday uh, as we record this um so so the it's going to be a same the same thing as i did last time for book one for book two here it'll be two episodes a night for a week monday tuesday wednesday uh-huh. Thursday, friday and that'll be the second book um so like you said a girl uh finds like her parents are, are separating or getting divorced um there's been some tension in you know obviously she deals with this and she stumbles her into uh, her way into the infinity train um trying to get to a coding convention or coding camp she's supposed to go to coding camp yeah in Oshkosh. cuz she's in and I love that it's she's in St. Paul right or yes. Minneapolis, St. Paul and she's needs to get to Oshkosh. um and so it's working through her issues you know in this this unending train um so you mentioned that and maybe I just didn't notice that what you didn't mention is what should have been one of, one of the best new characters of last year in the Smorgasporgy for me, which is 1-1, who is the, like the robot sidekick, who is amazing. There's also, the guys, there's a Corgi as one of the main characters who talks. Voiced
1: by Ernie Hudson.
0: Bur- voiced by Ernie Hudson. The voice acting game is on point for everyone. Yeah. Kate Mulgrew shows up as a Trixie cat. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a very good... Uh, like Alina Hiti is is a voice later on. Brad Whitford and who was the other guy? Who's the the cops?
1: The mirror. Cops. Oh, I don't remember who the cops are, but yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's it's it, but it's very good voice casting throughout. The animation is fun and creative, and yeah, it's it's very clear. Like you said, it's very clear that they're doing a thing. Like we're gonna talk about processing your parents' divorce as a thirteen year old, right? Like. Is the subtext is text like almost immediately, but they don't care, and I don't care because it's the same thing like where as Paddington where in the first you know you episode in this case, you can tell what they're trying to do and what they're interested in doing, and either you're on board or you're not, and. I'm on board cuz it's super fun. And also, a lot of times when we're dealing with things, we're being really didactic, but we think we're being super subtle, <laughs> like in conversations. <laughs> and you like think back and you're like, "Oh yeah, that was yeah, that was all text." You had to like <laughs> you would have had to have been really out of it to, to to get the sub part of that. So so I think especially for that character for Tulip as she's dealing with this stuff, When she's like lashing out and just not saying mom at the end of the sentences. This is, this is totally about you, new person I met on the train. This isn't me dealing with my issues at all. Um, that does feel very appropriate for the character, but yeah, it's super fun. Uh, Noel's right as he so often is, just about always. It's so rare that, that I'm like, Noel, you're wrong. Um, but it was just, it was, and I binged it all in an afternoon, you know, 10 episodes, 15 minutes each, but hopefully it will, it will catch on with more people. And you guys can catch up with it. And and you can absolutely dive in with season two. You don't need to have seen season one for season two. I mean, it helps, but... It helps.
1: I do think because of one of the, uh, like, cohort characters for this season, it kind of helps having seen season one a little bit. Um, I did not know that that character was going to pop up in season two. Um, I'm glad she is, or they are. I'm not quite sure what pronouns for that character Um, but because that character just has a lot of stuff to grapple through and work through. And I'm really glad that we're going to get to see that journey. Um, but it also means more of those two cops and those cops are just fantastic on a number of different levels.
0: They're very, they're very fun. Uh, (laughs) And
1: deeply disturbing as well when bad things happen to them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and. The the whole point of the infinity train, as becomes very clear, is trying to make progress and deal with your issues, right? So yeah. at the end of the season, the character has to have made progress on their issues. And if you're going to have a season two, are you going to negate all that progress? Like you you're only on the train if you need to work through some stuff. So how would you how do you like bring characters to a satisfying like p- point of realization or progress? And then have them still make sense to be on the train, you know what I mean? So that yeah. it's it's a very uh handy and neat kind of workaround for for that issue. Um, we're being vague here, listeners. Uh, the reason I would say you should watch season one before season two, it's all two and a half hours of it, um, is yeah. because the the like sort of the character progression and journey for Tulip is great, but really it's introducing you to the train and yes. the stuff that you get with one one. Like, I'm sure there will be good 1 1 stuff in season two, but the stuff in season one is delightful. And for those who haven't watched it, 1 1 is a little robot thing. Um, sphere that s- type. Sphere deal, yeah. with little walkie feet, right? And any rolls. Um, uh, but also splits in half to two, like, discs, like, kind of sauce half, you know, half globe kind of things. Um, and one is really chipper and one is very depressed. And so that and they're both one, so you put them together they're one one. Um and it's just the the casting two different voice actors for that like the dialogue it's just all terrific and super fun and i'm sure there's been a character like that out there there's a lot of stuff out there i haven't seen but i haven't seen a character like this before and I, and i think it's just like delightful and such a great mirror and uh and like opportunity to to reflect what you know where tulips at and what she's dealing with as she processes her parents divorce um and as well as just being really funny so it works really really well so watch season one because it's good and it's available but also so that when you run into that character in season two you can you know like they they've like realized things by the end of the first season and then move forward and that way you get to go on the journey with them as they realize things in season one yeah, is that
1: vague enough? Um, no, I think it's vague enough. But I think like at it's hard if you really liked some of the more, if you want a distilled sort of sense of like some of the more emotionally intense like Adventure Time episodes, this is a really good sort of show for you, I think. Um, it's not quite as like big swings as Adventure Time. I think it's telling a very contained, very accessible story about divorce and grappling with that Um, that is relatable for a number of things on a number of different levels as well because it's about divorce, but it's also, as becomes clearer, about coping with loss and transitioning and the struggles therein to do those things. And I think that the show does a really good job of doing that while also... Um, Kate, you won't have known this, but the cure, the conductor um, for in in season one that is a main the main antagonist um, in season one is modeled after a really scary robot in Neon Genesis Evangelion End of Evangelion, which is the concluding movie. Oh um, no, I'm
0: familiar. I knew I could. T- I spotted that yeah. one. Okay, because um, <laughs> well, I just you went- know, what? I made mean, I, I went to Spirited Away but I, I but i but i you know i definitely tracked that that wasn't a specific anime reference right yeah no. really creepy
1: <laughs> yeah and, well the the little tentacle robot thing is definitely a spirited away kind of deal but the white conductor with the red lips that's oh, evangelion. Yeah, yeah yeah that's an evangelion reference that is both of these things are also both of those properties are also things about transitions and either growing up or dealing with a loss of some kind and getting caught. So the intertextuality of the show is also really, really delightful. So I think that there's just a really rich text here that is accessible and lovely and involves, again, animated corgis that behave (laughs) like dogs of, do you want to go to the next, do you want to go outside? No. You you want to go outside? No. Yes. No. Yes. Ah, yes. Okay. Let's go. Just... Yeah, no, it's just, it's really, really delightful, and I really, and it's also really creepy in a lot of places, which Mm -hmm. I also really, really like and really, really appreciate. So so I think there's plenty of good stuff here. It's not doing anything, I think, radically new, but it's telling a really good story in a really good way. And Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see what season two does, especially given that our primary passenger... Just seems to be in very deep denial about things, mm-hmm. and I'm very curious about what he is in denial about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, because yeah. his number is very low. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, the, the the
0: the where we seem to be going with one of our characters for season two is interesting. Uh, I appreciate the 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 animal companion for season yes. two a lot so far in just one episode. And then also just like the, I, I'm very enamored of our character that from last season that gets transferred over to, to, to season two. And I think there's a lot there. There's a lot of there, Yo, there. There's so much there. Yeah. The, the season season one, is like you said, it's very contained. It's telling a very grounded, very specific story in just this fantastical way. Um, which is, so it has those emotional beats, but it's not getting into anything near the complexity of something like Adventure Time. Like the the emotional journey they took Finn on over the course of that show. And the show is actually, I think, very, because it's very contained. It, it's a really limited, clear, so that's why the miniseries format works well. Very very distinct narrative so i I look forward to seeing because i'm sure the creators have a very specific plan or like thoughts on like you know the world and the train and all these other things and i look forward to seeing how they play with that in season two but i'm excited
1: for it; i think it's gonna be super fun yeah and we should note that the uh the person behind infinity train is the same person who created a regular show yes um so if you like regular show this is definitely something to check out and
0: also is one of the voices of one one
1: yeah is he i did not know that
0: yeah, I don't know which one That's <laughs> one of them <laughs> well that wraps up our week in comedy and again I, we didn't really mention it as we switched from season 1 to season 2 but season 2 episode 1 is called The Black Market Car and we'll have more on that next week along with the rest of book 2 of Infinity Train uh, but now let's take a break, listen to some more music and come back with our week in genre we'll be right back after this
1: Ooh, why so blue so shades of sorrow got mixed into my you and each new moment just astounds me so much I want to do I finally feel my color shining through I'm tired of the fighting
0: shiny new lapis song from this season, the end of this first half of Steven Universe future. Um, This week in genre, we're going to talk about the premiere of Doctor Who season 12, Spyfall part one. Then I will catch y'all up with Lucifer and then we'll go back in time a little bit to to discuss the Watchmen finale, see how they fly. Then we'll speed back up with the rest of Steven Universe Future, the first, you know, episode five through 10 of season one, Bluebird, a very special episode, Snow Day, Why So Blue, Little Graduation, and Prickly Pear. And then we'll round things out with the end of the first season of The Mandalorian. So chapter six, The Prisoner, chapter seven, The Reckoning, and chapter eight, Redemption. So first up is the Doctor Who premiere, Spyfall, part one. And let's keep, this first part of our our conversation spoiler free um Mm -hmm. and just say obviously with the title Spyfall, they were going for bond here uh did it
1: work for you i really liked it um i think like it's spoofing of spy thrillers i think is really sharp um and bond in particular is quite good and i mean you put stephen fry in it and it's going to immediately kind of click into place i think Mm -hmm. really really nicely but i think that there's just a lot of really delightful sort of things here from a shady business tycoon who they clearly sort of cast wanting idris elba but not being able to get idris elba (laughs) um not that the actor that they cast isn't good because he's actually quite good in this i think but they clearly had idris elba type in mind um but I, I just I think it's a lot of fun from the intrigue with the gadgets, with, all right, now everyone's going to put on tuxes, and the Doctor's tails for her tux are going to be as long as her shorts that she still has on, which is just so delightful. Um, so I think that there's just a lot of really good, funny things here, and it was nice to just kind of... Have that, all right, here's how we're going to get the team back together type of thing of MI6 rounding everyone up, basically. And I just went, oh, that's really fun. That's very fun. And then just the alien threat, I think, in this episode that we get to see is really cool, I think. Um, both in sort of an x files sort of way of we can't quite see what they are to a certain degree, but they're also kind of scary. Um, I think just worked really, really nicely as well in terms of their beings made of light or what appear to be light. And that is a really good contrast to the idea of spies doing things in the shadows and that kind of exposure type of deal of both being undercover because they phase through shit and camouflage and being beings of light is just really, really cool and interesting. So I'm really... I'm really excited to see where part two takes them as a concept and how we deal with um, deal with them as entities and going forward and how that plays out. So I'm I'm very on board. I'm very excited in a way that I don't think I was even excited about who when it started with um, Jodie Whitaker and this group. Um, in the first season, as much as I generally sort of liked the first season um, of this new Doctor. So I'm curious about where they're going to go. I'm also just intrigued, and I want to ask you as someone who's much more of a Whovian, mm-hmm. um, how you felt about this kind of an episode in terms of this kind of rollicking adventure yarn that the first season of this new Doctor didn't really engage in it in any real way shape or form this very much felt like a earlier new who sort of premise and setup type of deal um and how that felt to you because again i felt like the first season while it sometimes had rollicking adventures wasn't this scale really and because of its structure of alternating between doing goofy doctor stuff and then goofy doctor history stuff um how doing a big Genre parody basically with the Doctor, how that played to you in particular, and then we can talk about spoilers and how you f- felt about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I really liked it. I had so much fun, um, with Doctor Who does Bond, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the I always enjoy the adventure and um, excite like and more actiony who's when they're when they're when they work when they like come together, right? And they pull it yeah. off, and this is no different. I, having... Such a large TARDIS team right now, with you know, just like they did last season. I think you know, splitting them off really worked well and gave us a lot more. Uh, you know, the, I like I appreciate the scope, I guess, yes. of of the what's going on. I like that it seems by the end the Doctor knows what's like where they are, you know, like what like mm-hmm. you know they have a much better sense than we do of what's going on, which is going to be exciting for part two. But yes. uh, I yeah, it's just fun. And I think that they couldn't necessarily do that in the first season because they wanted to have more of a reason that the the team is together. So the, the the when they decided to kick off the season with them trying to get back home and like nearly dying and all this stuff, it led and of course the death of you know the two of the our yeah. main characters, you know family members, uh, that just necessitated uh more more a darker tone and sure. um, more sedate i guess more it, it felt more like uh a tng <laughs> like kind of like a really in yeah yeah um and this is much more uh i don't know original series uh, this is like more adventure I don't know yeah. the good, the correct TNG because it's not it doesn't feel like DS Nine either. Um, but like I don't know the correct Star Trek comparison would be. But um, it's better Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if Enterprise had been what it wanted to be had had pulled that yeah. off. Um, and and I'm excited for both. I like like I was so excited last time, last season, season eleven to get like Rosa Parks and to get these different like these much more thoughtful and interesting choices of where in history to go and when in history to go and not just always London, you know? Um, And so I'm hoping that we won't, I hope this this isn't just like a a new statement of purpose and we're going to completely go away from that. But I do think it's important to, to, also have just some excitement and have a good time and get into just some ridiculous scrapes and you're on a motorcycle chase now and you know it's 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 delightful. <laughs> uh, bring in Stephen Fry to have two scenes and then get killed off. It's great. Um, I did uh, have a few questions about Unit and Kate Stewart and some other. You know why is why is the only person that they're talking to who get, who like kind of. Brings him into the action, be Stephen Fry, who's in head in charge of what MI five, MI six, um, MI six, yeah, MI six. Thank you. Uh, but but other than that, I think it was just a blast. It was a hoot and a half, and I'm I'm down for that. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. I, I'm very excited about the second half of of the episode, but we should talk about the big twist. And we've given you enough yes. time at this point to skip ahead to the next show. But if you know you haven't taken the hints, now's the time. So Sasha Dewan,
1: when Sasha Dewan shows up as as O in the lettering system. <gasps> Such a good joke. Like, they yeah. they line it up so nicely. Yeah. It's so nicely lined up that I can't stand it.
0: Well, I, I was just sitting there, I was like, okay, what? I don't remember the episode with this character, but I feel like they wouldn't be referencing back so many times that that, that O went on one adventure with the Doctor that like did i forget like was it like kind of thing where where they just like had him in like two scenes in one thing and they were like hey you know who's actually like broken through and become a much more prominent figure let's bring him back and we can flesh out the character i was, I was trying so hard to remember what episode it could possibly be that he had had a bit part in um unfortunately i didn't google it while i was watching but then i, I but I, what i realized later is that the actor was in an adventure yes. in space and time yeah, uh, playing the director of the first episode, the early episodes of Doctor Who in the, the the movie about the making of Doctor Who. And I was like, that's where I know him from in the Doctor Who context. Um, but that kept me off of my game as I was watching enough that I was completely not ready for the twist. And I thought they executed it really well. I, I'm not super on board with some of the choices for who, the character. It's a little too Simsian for me, like yes. a little too twitchy. And two, like, I feel like we've done that master. So I'm hoping that that's just going to be like a glitch. And we we'll, because like, when the moment of reveal of like, oh, catch up, doctor, I thought that was great. But I wasn't, I wasn't big on, on some of the ticks we were seeming to be getting. So I feel like we'll yeah. get a better sense of what the performance is going to be and what the character is going to be in the next one. But I thought, um, I thought that the, his performance throughout the rest of the episode was terrific, and there's there's so much there, and I can't wait to go back and rewatch it, with, you know, the reveal and everything. So I, I thought it was terrific. What did you think?
1: See, I thought it was really Simsian too, and that was kind of like my initial gut reaction of, wait, now why are we doing Sims again? No, mm-hmm. don't do Sims again. Do someone else. The whole idea of Sims's master, especially in response to Tenet's Doctor, is how much alike they are and i don't necessarily. and there's plenty of elements of a tenity doctor in uh this in whitaker's whitaker's but do something a little different because the clapping the jumping up and down type of thing it's just i was i just turned to my partner and went Wait, we're just doing Sims again. Are, are we doing Sims again? I love all of this in terms of the reveal, the build up to it, the actual reveal. And then the performance shifts gears into what feels like you said kind of simsy. Um and I just went no. And I don't I can't really compare it to like uh Missy because I didn't see any of that. Um so I just went but don't backtrack, do do something different. And so I'm really hoping that once the, once the victory lap sort of wears off, we find something different to play, but I really like the actor a great deal. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he does with it and what, how that gets represented going forward. So I just, I was really keen on it. And I was also wanting to, wanted to know how you felt about them bringing the master back so quickly, like in the premiere um, as opposed to, like, doing a build-up to it, which is what they've kind of historically done in New Who. But also, but also like, are you ready for them to sort of do the Master already with this new Doctor? Um, especially, again, going back to uh, Season 11, where they generally eschewed a lot of traditional Doctor adversaries and recurring figures for the most part. Um, and now it's just like, all right, fine. Just shut up, here's the master. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like that either, though, of like, fine, here. It legitimately, because of how the episode plays out, it legitimately feels, no, this this worked really well mm-hmm. in terms of a launch for that. But that was just me as someone who's not as deeply enmeshed in this uh, franchise. So that was the big thing I also wanted to talk to you about, was giving us the master really quickly. And whether or not you felt like it was a good time to do that, or just, yeah, just tell me about that, how you felt about that.
0: Yeah, I would be very surprised if the Master was done for this season after Spyfall Part 2. I would uh-huh. be very, very surprised if, if at least, like, if, if the Master is not a presence throughout a lot of the season, or if they don't at least come back, like, once or twice, either in the middle or at the end of the season as a pivot point. Um, I think that after very intentionally making season 11, all new, like, aliens and, and villains and all of that, which I think was really smart. And I think it gave some needed distance. I think just diving in with, like, yep, Master's back. It's time. Welcome back to Who. It's been a year. You had a year off and now we're back. Hitting the ground running. I think was really smart. I think it works great. I like the, um, the actor a lot, like you were saying. And, I mean... I also don't like Missy anywhere near as much as most people like Missy. She, she's it's a really beloved and appreciated and uh, popular version of the character, but for me, it's just. Um after a while, I get tired of it. I want more nuance. And I certainly don't have any problem with this. So Some people don't like... Because Missy's progression over the course of, like, her... When we last see her is pretty dramatic. And some people feel like this is, like, backtracking and less interesting. But for me, it's just... This is a new regeneration. It's, we don't know where it is in, in the Master's timeline. I'm fine with it. Um, but I think... Uh, as as my, I like, I appreciate Michelle Gomez so much more than I appreciate Missy, and for me, it's all tied in with this trope and like this stock figure that Moffat is like obsessed with and loves, and it's uh, and so for me that version of the master really suffered i'm sure if she's listening friend of the show alison shoemaker is yelling at her ipod right now <laughs> yelling at her <laughs> podcasting device um because i know that that this is a minority opinion among the the who fans but for me i'm very ready for a change and i'm excited about what this could be as long as like you said as long as they don't retread sims too much i i because that again that character worked and that was another situation where i was like oh i actually like sims a lot more (laughs) than i like sims masters um so as long long as we don't get too overly familiar and too twitchy and everything um i think i'm gonna be really uh ready for a lot of this master or at least a having them like kind of pop up on a regular yeah. basis. That's what I am to say. Cause remember, we're also getting the Cybermen back this season. We're also getting a right. few other recurring villains. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what, what comes next, but I'm excited for it. I like the premiere and, and I, I'm very like the enthusiasm around Dr. Who with this premiere was just great to see as a and I was very happy to be, Back amongst a uh, a group of people who all seem to really dig it and and be ready and excited for the show to be back and uh, mm-hmm. and it seemed like this was almost like specifically crafted to appeal to the people who were not certain weren't sure about season eleven who didn't like it um, so we've had our transitional season and now ready to just dive in and yeah I'm I'm excited for what it's going to bring I'm repeating myself though so I think it's time to move on <laughs> to our next show uh, which is Lucifer and. Uh, so here's the thing when I watched Lucifer initially, I watched the uh pilot when it came out, and I feel like i I mean I feel like I was not wrong in my assessment of the pilot when it first came out
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I was very wrong in my assessment of the show <laughs> and so and and but in the best possible way best well best possible of ways, and that's because. Lucifer is a show about. It's a cop not a cop where one where the not a cop is the devil. At the time there were a lot of those on the air. Yeah. And uh and this did not seem like a particularly fresh or new way to do it. Also, it was on Fox and it seemed like oh, they want to have one of the the, the not a cop be a devil so that they can have excuses to show pe- people having lots of sex and and titillate and that kind of stuff. Um and there there's a strong theme of that in the pilot. But uh what I did not realize because I did not stick around to watch more of of the uh, episodes at the time is that while that the show absolutely could have gone in that direction and been exploitative and been kind of like gross and like not interested in all that much is that instead it went in like, a very different direction, which is to really respect and appreciate all of its characters. Um, a character who played by Rachel Harris in in the Well, in the whole show, but she pops up in the pilot. It's the kind of character that feels like they might be a recurring bit character, but not a character that will ever be taken seriously, because she spends most of her scenes in the pilot busting after Lucifer, and it's a punchline. Um, If you had told me at the time, don't worry... Rachel Harris is actually going to be one of the main characters of the show. The character is going to be completely respected and validated consistently throughout the show and will not be a punchline. Will never be like a joke that we're making fun of how ridiculous this woman is who's just constantly ogling Lucifer because he's the devil. And we need to demonstrate how our main female lead is not affected by him. So we're going to do that by, you know, through this other character, then I would have been like, oh, okay, that's interesting. That's a good sign. And if you told me that actually the central tenet of the show is going to be this discussion of guilt, responsibility, and taking ownership of your choices, I'd have been like, oh, that's it. That's interesting. Huh. And there's fun, you know, other things in there as well. uh DB Woodside, who at the time I knew from Buffy primarily, is one of the main characters. He's super fun. The, the, it's so weird to see Kevin Alejandro cast as the douchey bro dude who's who's supposed to be yeah. the less attractive character because of course he's I knew him from True Blood and he's just ridiculous like everybody on True Blood is ridiculously hot right so like like they're trying to make me think that Kevin Alejandro is not the cute one on this show this seems very strange like but the it, this is a show that I'm and I'm definitely overselling it because there's an element of discovery to my experience when she right. It. Right? Especially the third season is, like, 26 episodes. Um, The fourth season only has 10. The first season is, like, 13. Second season, 18. So, like, don't get me wrong. Like, it, it does get a, into a bit of the Cop Not a Cop procedural grind. But as we both know, I love a Cop Not a Cop yes. procedural. I am a big fan of the Detective Case of the Week procedural. There's not enough of them on TV for me right now, in my, in my opinion. And having this be a show that actually is very connected to its characters, to its development, and consistently of the two choices you could make goes for the more interesting one, the more nuanced one, and has a stronger sense of its thematic through lines that it wants to express and like like it, it really develop. I think that I mean it's it's really such a wonderful surprise. And basically, we need to get Latoya on, so, friend of the show Latoya Ferguson, have her come on, so we so I can talk about Lucifer because I don't know anyone who watches it because, for the same reasons I didn't, it looks bad. <laughs> it doesn't look good yeah. in its promotional materials, but it's you know it's a show that takes that subject log line cop not a cop, but it's one of the, the not a cop is Lucifer, and just goes like okay just have fun just go with it and there's actually even like very meta jokes about it. Like one episode there involves musicians and Lucifer is just like singing, making up a song about his life. Good. It was like good cop, um, devil cop. They're solving crimes. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just go with it. It'll be fun. <laughs> like there's just a good awareness of the world they're building respect for the, some of the comic stuff without being beholden to it. And, it just constantly is entertaining and cheeky and fun and on the right side of, um, like, balancing those different elements really, really well. So I just had a blast with it. And, um, yeah, it takes, a, you know, kind of a couple episodes to see what they're doing and to appreciate that they do respect these characters. Like, the, the, their cop, one of the first things they intro- they introduced to you a, a, a about her is that she was a teen actor or kid actor. And her, one of her last movies was like Hot Tub High School, where you saw where she had uh, she was topless in it, and so like she's immediately being sexualized by by Lucifer um, in a way that, on a worse show, would feel skeezy and pivot, and like that would be the dynamic, but because I've seen it the whole the show, when you, you if you stick with it, you get you realize oh no, the character isn't actually being skeezy. He's genuinely, like, curious. He's like, I thought I had seen you before. I thought I knew I would seen you naked. Okay. And it's not supposed to be leery. It's like, that's... he's He doesn't have those associations because he doesn't have guilt and shame that he puts around his sexuality. You know, like, so, like, it's just... Yeah. When you introduce your cop character by being like, oh, and she was in, uh, like, a show, in a movie, a teen Ranch fest, Porky's movie, when she was younger... But we're going to respect what that means for the character's development, and that's why she's not an actor, and that's why she's, like, there's a ridiculously hot chick who is a cop because she ran... It. Like, they actually build it in, but in a way that in the first episode, you would expect it's actually going to go a totally different way. And I'm just kind of repeating myself at this point, so I should I should move on. But um it was just such a lovely discovery... And for me, and I know I'm behind behind the times on it, but I'm excited that I am now caught up, and I will be able to watch season five, the, which I think is the final season, live. Yes. And certainly after watching, like the rest of the show, man, that would have been a rough series finale. Um, it would have been really good for season like the season three finale. I think is very good, and and there's some really smart writing choices in season four too. Some of what they do, like. Narratively, it was very satisfying, and and I really appreciate so the choices that the, the show has made for, around some of the characters. Others not so good. Tom Welling as like one of your main characters. Why? I mean, he's fine, but like, bring in a better, bring in a better actor. Um, it's not that he's terrible or anything, but just like other members of the cast are just much better, and yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't understand. Like, I don't get why. For 26 episodes. Not, like, for, like, a five-episode arc, absolutely. But, like, that really weighed down season three for me. But, anyways, I should stop talking. Do you have – does this pique your interest or curiosity in Lucifer at all? Or – or not really? (laughs)
1: I mean, I mean a little bit. Um it's a lot. my partner my partner really likes Lucifer a lot as well. She caught up on it and just really enjoyed it. And she d- attempted to sell it to me by highlighting two things that she knew would appeal to me. Mm-hmm. One, she talked a lot about the Cain and Abel storyline, which she really, really liked mm-hmm. and told me about how it plays out. Um like, lapkins. No. Exactly. exactly. That's what she used was <laughs> Lapkiss and was just like, No, Noel, well, you don't understand. <laughs> Here's, Here's the, the thing. thing. <laughs> but then the other thing that she attempted to do um to sell it on me is explain this really this sequence of events in which I think it's Lucifer is unable to sleep and just goes through like this big you're see you already know what I'm talking about. Goes through this big cleaning thing. Yeah. And does all these things so he doesn't fall asleep. Also that they can make a bones joke. Yeah. And it's just like that was pretty much enough to like get me to want to watch that episode. <laughs> because I just wanted to be like, wait. No. Why do you craft a whole episode to make a joke about bones? <laughs> Nothing against bones. But that's that's a big commitment. <laughs> but she... She attempted to, like, basically sell me on it in terms of how it deals with kind of its meta humor to a certain degree. Um, but all various other things about it, including Latkes. Um So I haven't, like, carved out the time for it. But given how my sh- schedule is now kind of structured this quarter, um, I may just end up, now that I've rewatched almost all the Marvel movies, um, <laughs> thanks to Disney Plus, <laughs> yeah. um, I need something else to watch. So maybe this is it. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know if I start watching it next week. Um, cause yeah, cause I have rewatched like half the Marvel movies and have updated my Marvel ranking. Yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. things have, things have shifted a little bit, not a lot, but a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so I'm just like, yeah, maybe, maybe. And, but my other real big question for you based on having watched these four seasons and having watched the crisis on infinite earths crossover which takes place before the show canonically do you believe that lucifer and constantine have had sex oh obviously <laughs> obviously obviously <Okay. laughs> and and
0: really that that the the crossover and the, the little moment a little mm-hmm. scene in crisis was probably was my gateway drug it was what when i'm sitting on like cuz i was i was hanging out with family right and trying to f- find a show that yeah. we could like that was the right kind of broad appeal, but with some mm-hmm. specifics that, that one of us hadn't seen. Right. And this, yeah. this fit into that. It's like, well, let's give it a shot. And we actually ended up really liking it. Um, and, and, which is surprising given the breadth of uh, preferences in the, in the mm-hmm. audience. But, um, but I, pro- I would not have gone like, well, let's, you know, like, Latoya really likes the show and she knows what she's talking about. And I should just, you know, like, That whole conversation was because that little moment was so fun in the crossover. If that hadn't happened, I probably would have been like, no, I probably wouldn't even have paused so that I and to give myself time for my knowledge that Latoya knows what she's talking about to get me to click the button, right? Um, and so yeah, no, I, I, if you do end up checking it out, I will be curious what you think. And um, I will also throw in there with a list of people we're mentioning who are good, who, are, who show up on it, is that Trisha Helfer plays two different characters and uh, is super fun. In in them and uh, yeah, and there's some there's some different characters that work and don't work, and there's like two different characters, two of the different actors, um, had kids over the course of them filming the show. Which one of the characters they like wrote off for several episodes for her maternity leave. The other character they wrote it in, um, and that that some of that works, some of it doesn't. There's some like threads that do and don't work. Um, but yeah, I had so much fun with it. So I and I do think this is a good like background-y kind of, yeah and you can see what you think, and you might find yourself getting sucked in, if you're like me, or if not, it certainly works in that vein, so. Yeah. Yeah, let me know what you think. I am certainly curious, and, like, I thought you were going to go, the Bones joke works really well, and again, it's another hint, like, like towards that self-aware, like, cop-not-a-cop thing, right? Yeah. But, but also, my favorite part of that's trying to stay awake montage is the complete and utter failure at trying to assemble ikea furniture <laughs> right she mentioned that as well yeah <laughs> well, awake for six days straight um yeah good times it's good it's, it's a lot of fun so if there are any lucifer fans in the audience reach out and i want to talk about the show so let me know on twitter what you think uh now let's go to the Watchmen finale see how they fly and we talked about this a bit in our end of the year podcast but we yeah. were less enamored of this than other people um I liked it more than you did. Yes. But what did you think of this episode and the, let's just start with the context of as like sort of redefining the rest of the series as an origin origin story for like I guess police lady Manhattan? Because <laughs> not not Doctor and not Mrs. but uh sister Manhattan, maybe? maybe? Um maybe uh uh yeah, what yeah, what what did, what did you think of, of how like, if if the whole show is winds up being an origin story, does that help or hurt some of the choices?
1: I, I, I'm sort of indifferent to it as an origin story because I feel like Angela feels really fleshed out in a lot of ways that I really, really appreciate up to that point. Um, and I do think that a lot of it functions as... A good, a good origin story for who Angela Abar is already without needing to worry about the Manhattan powers. Um, that I don't... That because of the Manhattan timey whiny logistics of that, how that episode is supposed to work um, and because of the fact that we sort of pivot away from Angela because we need to explain Manhattan um, and his place within this narrative is that it's sort of like, it makes me not care as much about the answer to whether or not she has Manhattan's powers. And even to the point of, I actively don't want her to have his powers since again, one of the big things about like this drive to get Manhattan's abilities that kind of consume the latter half of the season, um, particularly like the last, episode and a half, basically. Um, Well, no, just the last episode, really, but happening in the background of everything else, Um, is that, folks, you you, do understand that eventually you will stop caring. That's what happens when you become a god. (laughs) Um, You stop caring. Um, And that kind of a thing just... I don't want that for Angela is the problem is I don't want her to stop caring. So this idea that it's an origin story for Angela Manhattan, um, makes me very disinterested in that concept because I don't want her to not care. She has three kids. She has a connection to her past that she did not previously have. Let her live with that and let her explore how that changes her and alters how she behaves, um, as a detective, um, provided she, remains a detective um going forward um and i just that's kind of where i landed on that is like i don't i don't want that to be the case so i kind of actively push against like the pool scene basically concept um even if i do think that the show very much sets it up um with she has powers now we're gonna leave it ambiguous but she has powers yeah um because we've made too big a deal of the egg um literally too many times for her not to have abilities um so i just i kind of actively push against that because of what that represents i think and the arc of manhattan as a concept um and hopefully, and hopefully, again, knock on wood, we don't get a second season. That this is an in and out sort of deal. Even though plenty of people are game for it, like <laughs> Regina King is very, very much wants to do a second season for obvious reasons. Um, I just don't know that it's necessary based on what they did in season one. So that's kind of how I felt about it as like an origin story. Of like, I don't, I don't want it to be an origin story because it's a it just ends in a bad way in my brain of like an arc of history sort of deal. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about it. How did you feel about it? I'm very off base. No, I hear okay. what you're
0: saying. Um, for me, like, and it's the combination and I actually hadn't thought about it the way you're talking about it, but you're right. Um, it's, a, it's a counterbalancing of that with, you know, who should have the godlike powers is somebody like Angela. right? Um, but and the, also and- just,
1: it would deteriorate, I feel like. But yeah, anyway, yeah.
0: Yes, but I don't have to think about that because that hasn't happened on screen yet.
1: And right, in my exactly, head, sure. that
0: cannot happen, which is why it ends when it does. Yeah. Right? Um, but you're absolutely right. It did, Like, getting superpowers did not make John's life better <laughs> or easier. And it didn't um, make
1: him better or easier
0: either. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that they're, like, it's interesting what, the show seems to like seems like it's saying with these characters of like who deserves this power, right? And it is not someone who is seeking it; it is someone who stumbles upon it, but can choose it. Whereas uh, John couldn't didn't choose it, you know, and is understanding this responsibility and has lived next to it and seen it, and decides they want to take that on, you know. But also then, if not, how do what
1: do you do with that egg? (laughs) You know, like, how do you dispose of that egg? (laughs) You freeze it and never, ever, ever, ever take it out of the back of the freezer. Ever, ever, ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you freeze eggs? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Can you freeze magic eggs? Um, Yeah. So I think that that is an interesting conversation. I certainly, they narratively... Yes. I'm with you but you know I'm gonna watch a season two if it happens yes yeah. but yeah. also they probably shouldn't make it but I want to see Regina King play that so yeah. like I'm like yes I know I shouldn't but also if they do I mean I'm not gonna not gonna not watch it um as for the rest of the the finale I thought I did a pretty good job of bringing together these different threads I thought didn't think we needed uh Jeremy Iron's at all. Like, it was a fun diversion, but we really could have cut all of that, and I would not have missed it. I guess it was there to change tone, right? To to be, like, to just be a contrast to all that other stuff and be silly and fun, and that's enough of a reason. But I, I did kind of keep wait and, and thematically, it connects to this who should have power thing. Yeah. And what does um, power do to you? And what does <laughs> power do to you? And all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I would have liked... I don't know. I think something about the f- the ending didn't quite land with me for that character, outside of the wrench to the head, which was just hilarious and great. Um, I would have liked <laughs> less Jeremy Irons and more Gene Smart would have been my preference. Um, but I did think there was a lot of really beautiful moments. <laughs> Everything with uh, with James Walk was was terrific especially the melting um i thought that the um the, the 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 scene the final scene with john and angela was absolutely beautiful um i liked the reveal of the mill- millennium clock or whatever it was um and that it's just like oh no i'm gonna kill all y'all that will happen they're just like dead We just killed the white supremacists that's great um so there were there was a lot to that really did work for me but as far as the larger like how it reframes the last chunk of the season or the whole thing i do think it's it does feel at the end for me like a very different story than they started out telling um so you know i think it's it's just different but it's still very interesting and fun and i certainly ended up you know, as everyone knows from the, my, our end of the year podcast, I did end up really appreciating what we got with this season. Um, So yeah, it's in, you know, it, it, what we were saying, what I was saying um, with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, right? The more distance I got from it, the more I was able to appreciate or, or think back on the show as what it wanted to do without the content, like watching it and wondering if like where it's going and like being a little concerned about, are they going to do this or are they going to do that? You don't have to, you know, when you have the perspective of, you know what the show's intentions are. Actually, I could connect the same thing with Lucifer, right? Now that I know what the show's intentions are, I can appreciate go back and watch earlier episodes and not be worried about if it's going to devolve into something else. I can just appreciate what it actually is trying to do and the fact that it is successful at that. And I think that's going to make the, wa- the Watchmen finale and these last few episodes raise, in my estimation, um, with time. But certainly... You know, it is it is very, I think it is very different than what they started out the season seeming like they're going to do.
1: Yeah, and I think that's sort of the issue is that there's three different shows here across its three different acts. Um, and I think that that's where I kind of struggle with it structurally. And it's sort of why, like, I feel like it doesn't really land in like a good pantheon of Lindelof-esque romance, sweeping romance type stuff, whether it's Desmond and Penny or... Um, Nora and what's his name on leftovers? Um, Justin Thoreau. Yeah, Justin Thoreau. I can't remember that character's <laughs> Kevin. name at all. The Book of Kevin. Kevin, right? Um, it just it doesn't land in that kind of sweep for me. Um, mm-hmm. But it also like that finale just because of how much plot it has to cover, because the fact that we just evaporate Cyclops and then we don't want to engage in the fact that with the same sort of care that we've applied to Cyclops in the early going and the Klan and racism that we don't want to necessarily engage with, Oh, this private enterprise and business tech mogul thinks they know best for everyone. We're not going to engage with the politics of that and how we got to that point. We're going to write her off as a narcissist in the vein of bite and just play and go for that she just goes full supervillain instead and it's like oh but that what you're doing is really interesting and significant and timely in the same way all the other stuff you did was interesting significant and timely but you're not actually going to deal with how that happened by instead making it a heritage thing and which ties into other aspects of your program but in a very surface level, less interesting way. And I just went, but, but that was, that's a whole other discussion to have. (laughs) (laughs) And you just reduce it to lasers. And I know a narcissist when I see one. Um, And it's just like, but no. So it's just, it, the, the lack of like, I guess, consistency in what it wants to do and what it wants to say and more specifically how it wants to say became sort of like how i just like the last three episodes left me sort of on my heels a little bit um backing away from the show even if i still liked elements that we were getting it just and the finale in particular ended up feeling like a series of this is why we did this, this is why we did this, this is what this was. It was a series of checking things off, except for Lube Man, which we answered off-screen. Um, and just going, feeling kind of generally dissatisfied with that resolution because of, we had a number of things we needed to answer, including Ozyman getting off, and but also needing Ozyman around to make sure that we have the squid bullet gun from the sky <laughs> to solve all our problems, um, which I th- is both a delightful and B just really feels borderline lazy Um, in equal measure. And I'm okay with that, but it's just, it just didn't feel as satisfying to me. And just, I liked what the show was for the first two acts and not so much with the last.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I hear you. I respect that. And I, you know, yeah, I would have liked kids. Like, can we get another episode at least? Can we get the, can we get the,
1: yeah. You almost need another hour.
0: Yeah. Like, the perspective on on what we're doing with Lady True, right? Like yeah. That would have... The specific Lady True episode and, and other conversations around the character that they were holding off on so that it could be revealed in the finale uh, would have been... Appreciated, it, I guess. Yeah, if they had had the same lens and the same, you know, like, approached that character and, and her motivations in the same way that they did the other main characters, it would have been a very interesting episode, indeed. But we did not get that, alas. Um, Yeah, we'll see what happens if they do do a season two. I'm not expecting it, but Yeah, who knows? I mean, who knows? Crazier things have happened over at HBO. Um, Over at Steven Universe Future, we are apparently getting more episodes. Okay. I could not find any press release that said that. But mm-hmm. I cannot imagine that that is the last we will ever see of Steven Universe. That that end of that episode, Prickly Parry, just doesn't it does not make sense. So, because um, yeah. I didn't see any, it was not being written up as this is the last Steven ever. It was there was no press for that, which there should have been if it was. And um, but I also could not find anything about more episodes coming at any point. So. I'm very puzzled by that. We had Bluebird, very special episode, Snow Day, Why So Blue, Little Graduation, and Prickly Pear. Um, again, it, w- it felt more hit and miss for me. Yes. Some episodes I thought really worked. Uh, some episodes less so. I felt like the Why So Blue had some really nice stuff in it, but then also was I wanted more There There yes. with the other lapis's. Uh, I really liked Little Graduation. Prickly Pear had some fun stuff going on and really pointed towards more like how much more they have to deal with, with Steven that they haven't touched on yet. So that made it a particularly unsatisfying last episode. If it is the last episode, um, bluebird was fun, very special episode. Eh, It's okay. Snow day was fun, but it felt a little little on the nose and it just kept, it felt very repetitive. So that's, that's sort of where I ended up. I, I think my favorite episode of these was a little graduation. Um, and certainly I appreciated India more being cast on the show as, as Shep, I think. Um, and a new sound for, for Sadie and everything. There was a lot of really interesting, fun stuff that happened in these episodes, even if I didn't end up bowled over by the rest of the season as a whole. What did you think?
1: Um, Generally, in line with you, Like I enjoyed Bluebird and the creepiness of the Shattered Pearl. Um, and once again, a recontextualization of what Rose is. Um, but we also knew that it's just, we needed to grapple with it again, as Steven deals with going pink. Um, and, but then the rest of the episodes I think are generally okay. Like I like snow day, but I agree with you that it's repetitive. I think it's repetitive by design, but it's still repetitive. Um, why so blue? As you know, I'm just a big lapis stand. So I was just like, oh, we're getting a lapis episode. I'm going to cry. And then I sort of did, but then I also was very much like, "No, there's not enough there's not enough shading here." And I've also kind of forgotten that lapis was for terraforming. Yeah. Um, I was just like, "It's been so long." <laughs> <laughs> um and lapis just never recurred as much as other gems did. Um that it was just kind of rough and but I did appreciate the idea that her song gets called out for being Pearl, being like hearing a Pearl sing. And I just went, that was a very Pearl song. <laughs> oh, and she, her voice is very Pearl as well as the other thing. Well, um, it's so, so Bossa that, Nova though,
0: I can't imagine Pearl Bossa Nova. That's fair, but I mean, but just, no, it's a good point.
1: Yeah. Um, but no, I agree. Like little graduation is probably like the strongest of these in terms of dealing with Steven's struggles to sort of, Cope with the fact that everyone's moving on and that he doesn't know what that looks like anymore for him. And I really like that as a concept. And then having that be followed up by Prickly Pear works again really well in a callback of Steven accidentally creating <laughs> another. inanimate version of himself Um, but then an inanimate version of himself that again keeps reflecting stuff about him the same way like the watermelon people do and so on so I I really like that one two punch of those two episodes but like you I'm like wait are we getting more because we haven't talked about Connie y'all and we need to talk Mm -hmm. about Connie and where does Connie fit into all this like where's Connie (laughs) (laughs) why isn't Connie in any of this yeah
0: yeah or e- even mentioned you know
1: right no she gets mentioned at like the start where we're like she's getting ready for college and it's like right cool
0: and, and did she come to the show for the graduation like what's going yeah exactly
1: yeah where's connie <laughs> um and but she also doesn't factor into like prickly Pear and little graduation in any way shape or form about what's going on with steven and what he feels like and i feel like that's should be in the discussion. It was weird to me that it wasn't in the discussion. Um, so I generally think it's all really good, but I do agree that Little Graduation is the strongest in no small part because it forces Stephen to also deal with people who are older him than him moving on as well, which I think is different from him dealing with like how the gems are treating him or seeing him and his role with um with uh the gem school. It's it's different because. Sadie and Lars and everyone from Sadie and the Kellers are all older than he is and are approaching things from a different sort of perspective. And I think that the maturity, especially demonstrated through Lars, is what really kind of rattles that for Steven and rattles it for the audience as well of how Lars is sort of grown and shifted in a way of, you can tell he's still yeah, he's good with Sadie, but at the same time, it's like, I waited too long kind of deal. And the kind of melancholy therein, I think, comes through really nicely in a kind of subtextual sort of way. Um, But yeah, it's just all of it, I think, generally works well. It's just, I need a lot more. And I have to assume, like you said, that we're getting it, because otherwise, that's a really weird note to end on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
0: well, I, I also particularly loved the moment in Le- Little Graduation where they're like, "Uh, why didn't I know about this? Like, uh, because it's a private conversation, right? Exactly, Stephen. Why would you know about it's None of your yeah. business. Like, I pre- we appreciate that that we're friends and you care about us and everything, but also like we said, we're cool. Yeah, respect boundaries. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, and, and it was fun to be in steven's shoes for that, right? As opposed to them having an episode with just them that fills us in. So, um. Yeah, there's a lot to appreciate here, but it is very contingent for me on the show coming back at some point. So I guess we will know listeners when we know. Uh, but for now, let's go on to a show that's definitely coming back at some point. That's The Mandalorian. At the end of mm-hmm. season one, had Chapter 6, The Prisoner, Chapter 7, The Reckoning, and Chapter 8, Redemption. Uh, maybe it was the context of when I was watching this and the fact that I was binging them, but I thought I had a lot more fun with these than some of the earlier episodes in the season. And I particularly enjoyed The Prisoner and mm-hmm. Redemption. Um, what, what did you think of these and how did it end out the season for you?
1: I really agree. I think The Prisoner in particular is really strong in... And I tweeted about, I tweeted this um, after I watched the episode in that we get a different sort of genre play as opposed to we're going to do a Western for the entire thing. And we're going to do that blended samurai influenced by American Western, which in turn influenced the American Western um, play that we've been getting. And instead we get a prison break film that turns into a slasher film. And I like all of that because it gives a whole different levels of play with the show. Plus we get Clancy Brown and a lot of prestiges being a big scary alien, and I am here for that. Always. Um <laughs> I'm always here for that. Um there was also a really good piece um that I read, I think on Medium, that talked about the Twileks. Um and their depictions within the prisoner, specifically within how Twi'leks get depicted in Star Wars and the concept of potentially a trans Twi'lek within this narrative that I found really, really interesting as a big Star Wars nerd um, that I wish I had a link for um, and the name of the writer who did it, that I found the argument interesting, not necessarily completely compelling, but still interesting nonetheless. Um, I think it's giving the show too much credit uh, (laughs) because it's not a particularly thoughtful show. Um, but I think that there's elements of that there. Um, so I think The Prisoner's really good. Um, and then Reckoning and Redemption, I think, are also just generally pretty strong sort of end game type of episodes for this season. Um, but I do think that they point to, in a lot of ways, and this kind of feeds back into sort of how I felt about, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, which I think is a very bad movie, um, that... There's a push of Star Wars as a collection of symbols and that those symbols all have weight and we can use those as a shorthand to cause you to feel things. Um, And I think that that's definitely that's very consistently been part of the Mandalorian's MO from we're going to do a cute Yoda that's going to make people feel things to we're going to have Marf, Moff Gideon and have a bunch of black clad stormtroopers as a shorthand to be like no remember how kind of badass Ben Mendelssohn's character was in Rogue One well guess what his stormtroopers are back and like that as another kind of shorthand of like oh this is serious type of deal and I think that that plays into how Lucasfilm through Disney is being sort of managing the Star Wars franchise as a collection of symbol shorthands down to the big reveal that Loth Gideon has a dark saber, which mm-hmm. is something that only people who watch the fucking Clone Wars television series are <laughs> like going me! to be able to, like you, you now are <laughs> going to be able to go, Oh shit. As opposed to everyone else who's like, wait, why does he have a black lightsaber? Mm hmm and like i think that there's elements of that of appealing to it. and i was just like oh good now this means people are going to have to watch at the very least clone wars and certain episodes of star wars rebels because you shouldn't watch all of star wars rebels because it's fine but it's also not worth watching all of
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and i think that that's kind of what the mandalorian ultimately ends up being and it's why i think the prisoners their strongest episode because it generally eschews a lot of star wars imagery in favor of doing something kind of different. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up feeling about The Mandalorian overall, in that I think there's a number of really interesting things still to come in this show that I really want them to see as now that they're a clan of their own, um, and how that gets played with, and how that gets explored, because I want them to explore that. Um, even more so in light of the fact that, A, Gideon has a darksaber, and and be the final season of the Clone Wars animated series is going to be very explicitly about in no small part, the Mandalorian purge, which plays a not insignificant part for the Mandalorian. Um, so I think that there's plenty of things that can kind of come together, but I generally think that the first season, of the Mandalorian is good to find is fine to good in a lot of places but relies really heavily on a lot of symbols and images to cause feelings, and it works well enough. But it's not enough.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, it's also just like casting Giancarlo Esposito as like your bad guy for at least right, two. exactly smart, yeah, very no, smart.
1: That's, <laughs> yeah, it's you're, you know you're going to do well, but it, at the same time, it's like we're going to ca- we're going to cast Taika. To do the IG character so that when he blows himself up, you feel something. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also gonna direct the final episode and he directs the shit out of it, and it's really good.
0: Mm-hmm. And well, and even just the banter. Like, you just wanna yes. look at the, you just wanna look at the bag. It's like, uh-huh. do we even know it's alive? Just shut up. <laughs> and then Baby Yoda bites him. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. There's a lot of like in taking the time for that kind of stuff. I really yeah. These last three episodes were all longer. They were all like in the 40-minute range, but yeah. I didn't feel like, it didn't feel the length. It felt appropriate, right? And that was considering... I, mean, I watched them back to back to back, so that's, like, the extra time adds up. But uh, while the, having the earlier episodes of season be, like, a half an hour was one of the best parts of The Mandalorian, um, they really did earn their extra time, I thought, in these episodes. And just there's some smart choices here. I don't know that they're necessarily going to translate to season two. Um, I'm hopeful. Like, there, there's a lot of opportunity for that. But, I mean... They have they've had a good cast that they haven't used well enough for a lot of this season, um, for me. So that the fact that Esposito is now a significant figure for me isn't enough to to, for me to feel confident that they're gonna really nail Gideon or just really bring that element to the show in the way that it's needed. Um, so so I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I did really enjoy the prisoner. I thought that that I would agree that was their best episode. Um, and I liked that. There's a lot of purpose and drive towards the end of the season and having like sending, you know, Mando off on a quest to find the Jedi, I think is a smart way to go. And uh, I also was very glad that Cara Dune was back. I like that. Like that they, the decision to make her be from Alderaan, Alderaan. So now we've now just met only a a few characters who are from Alderaan, I think ever in the movies, at least in the TV shows that I've seen. And that is like, like when they say that, of Alderaan I was like oh shit yep that yes. answers a lot <laughs> so I thought that that was really effective and, and so th- there's just some good choices here and I'm, I'm more, much more excited for season two than I was even just like four episodes in to season one here so that's a good sign I was also really appreciating the score after your comments about it in these last few episodes so thank you for
1: that you're welcome yeah no it's a good score it's a very good score that I think does a better job of remixing the concept of a star Wars score while feeling distinct, which I think is really important. Yeah. Any final thoughts on the Mandalorian? And if not, what wins your week in TV? Um, final thoughts on the Mandalorian is that I will never, ever remember Mando's actual name. Uh, (laughs) He's just going to be Mando Mm -hmm. for the entire run of this show. And I'm (laughs) I'm sad about that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, I don't know quite what wins my weekend TV. Um probably Infinity Train of the things that we discussed, but also the Mr. Music number and the Sack Lunch Bunch is mm-hmm. just really good, Kate. Um please text me after you watch it. Okay, so I can I either be very excited or very sad. Either one is fine. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you? Oh uh, well I mean obviously Paddington too. <laughs> 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 like sorry that was very loud and directly into the microphone <laughs> i apologize <laughs> listeners
0: but i you know if i don't count baddington 2 that is more of a conversation because i had the most fun with lucifer but that wasn't the best thing that i watched But it was very fun um the parts of the watchman finale that worked really really worked for me uh i might give it to the doctor who premiere It's because I I just did a lot of binging, so it kind of all blurs together. Um, I will give it to Recency Bias. I'll give it to the Doctor Who premiere. Okay, Um, sure. But, uh, yeah, it also could be less. Can I give it to the musical number, the dance sequence that kicks off the season four finale of Lucifer that should have been mentioned in my best dance sequences of 2019 and wasn't? Because there's that, too. Okay. There we go. I'm splitting it that rest of our week in TV. So now we'll take a break and come back with our winter 2020 TV preview. We'll be right back after this.
1: When I was younger and I hated fun I was always looking back on what I should have done I used to live my life in fear Of the terrible performances that brought me here But I'm looking forward I'm looking forward It's hard to live your life in stride. When you feel the way I always used to feel inside. Now it's so easy that it's strange. I'm a person and the person that I am can change. So I'm looking for
0: That was Sadie's new sound from Steven Universe Future. I don't remember the name of the si- of the song as we record, but I will have it in the show notes. It's time for our winter 2020 TV preview. Uh, there's a lot of shows, Noel. There's so many shows. So we're going to just kind of run down listeners. We'll say the premiere date, um, what day of the week it is that might come up, and then the network, the show, and a couple things about it. So uh, do you want to kick things off or shall I?
1: Ah uh, no, I can go first. Okay. Um, so premiering at least yesterday, <laughs> today is as we record. Um, and with an E, uh, the final season of And with an E, because they decided not to go forward with another season after this, uh, airs on Netflix on January third. Um, and then on January fourth, um, the Stephen Moffat Mark Gattis, uh Dracula series. Um, has dropped on Netflix on January 4th. um I'm sure Kate and I are both very much looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> I look forward to not having to watch another Steve Moffat thing for
0: like ever if I don't want to. I'm very excited about that.
1: Too bad I want to watch it and discuss it on the podcast next week since we don't have a lot on no.
0: next week. <laughs> oh no,
1: okay. Maybe no, I'm, I I'm just kidding, but oh, we do okay. have to figure out something to watch next week. <laughs> Infinity Train. We could do that one. <laughs> Um. So on Sunday, January fifth, Golden Globes are back. However, they are back with Ricky Gervais. So who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, Monday, January sixth, Infinity Train starts in earnest. Um, which we're excited about. Um, uh, So on Tuesday, January seventh, we've got a couple of we've got two hard premieres and one soft premiere. So the two hard premieres we get FBI Most Wanted, the spinoff from the CBS show of. FBI uh, from Dick Wolf. So yet another Dick Wolf spinoff. If you like FBI, you'll maybe enjoy this. Julian McMahon's on it, which is fun. Um, But it was not enough to make me watch the screener for the pilot I had because I went, nope, don't care. (laughs) Um, Of more interest to people that um, are on this podcast anyway, the Schitt's Creek premieres on pop on January 7th. So that's very exciting. They have their final season. Uh, kicks off on that day at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, So a soft preview, basically, as Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist on NBC has a preview, basically, of the first episode on January 7th, and then it kicks over to uh, its official debut on February 16th. Um, I watched the pilot for this. Um, I watched the pilot for this. I was going to watch at least one more episode, but then the person whose thing I share had started it. um, And then I went, I don't want to lose their place in the screener. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I did not watch a second episode. How did you like preview sort of deal? Because I'm sure we'll talk about this um, next week. Um, What did you think? Should people maybe check this out based on the pilot or
0: nah? This is basically like, what if the Scrubs musical, but... Like, she hasn't told everybody, and they think it's weird. So, the main character, who, uh, Jane Levy, uh, uh Jane Leaves? Levy? I mean, from, from Suburgatory. Um, the leave from Suburgatory. Um, starts experiencing the world, like, there's an earthquake, some things are happening, maybe it's medical. But anyway, so, people start singing to her their thoughts, uh, their innermost thoughts and emotions. Um, but they don't know that they are. And so, it's a musical. And it kind of works, but I don't think it works nearly well enough as it should, in the pilot. It's such a high-concept pilot. I feel like... Like, when you watch the Craziest Girlfriend pilot, for me, it was like, oh, this show knows exactly what it wants to be. And this one, the premiere... The pilot felt more like, oh, musicals are so hot right now. Let's make a musical. Um, and, yeah, I'm maybe it'll get better. I mean, they've got some good singers. They've got some potential there. But I was surprised to find myself sort of like in the B to C range on it. I expected it to either be an A or an F and I was kind of
1: middling. So that seems strange again for a musical TV show. What what about you? I am very firmly in agreement with you. I have questions about how this works. Mm -hmm. Um, Like narratively, how the music is working on a number of levels, especially with one of their, the big, big opening not the big opening number but the first big like community number i go that doesn't make any sense for your premise at all
0: yes yes
1: you just wanted to do a beatles song la la land style that's all this is Mm -hmm. um so i have a lot of questions about how it works however i really like this cast and that's sort of why i was like i want a second episode um, in terms of seeing what they're doing or what they're going to do. So I'm also in sort of like the B to C range on it. Um, I'm also sort of like, I am not a big fan of jukebox musicals anyway. And so I also go, wait, so when is someone going to sing opera to express their innermost feelings? Never. Um, That like you downloaded all of the history of iTunes into your brain, which includes Opera, which includes foreign language songs, which includes literally everything. And then you just give me the top 40. And the Beatles. Um, no! I think no! Um, play with me. Let's go into this space type of thing and really commit to it. So we'll see. Jane Levy's really, really good in that pilot, though. She's, like, super duper good. Um, so I'm... I'm game for more, but I I have so many questions about the premise that unless they shift, I don't know that I can just keep watching it on a narrative level. It more makes me want to watch Eli Stone again, (laughs) because I feel like Eli Stone did this better. Like, that was the thing is like when my person and I watched the trailer, I went, oh, this is Eli Stone. And she just went, sort of. Maybe we should just watch Eli Stone, but here's the thing. You can't watch Eli can't Stone. Watch it's Eli literally Stone. nowhere. It's really frustrating. It's nowhere. You can't find it. It's free on streaming. You have to buy it or rent it from a library. It's literally the only way to watch it. It's not even on Hulu. <laughs> so frustrating. Um, so that's our
0: thoughts. Our quick take, uh, spoiler free mostly, on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Uh, on January 8th. Uh, which is Wednesday over on Freeform. There's going to be the new Party of Five reboot, which I think that they've made the first episode available at freeform.com. I am not all that interested, but, uh, you know, there will be people who are, are more interested. And, of course, the other thing that they're doing, which I appreciate they're doing something a little different with the yes. premises to incorporate immigration uh Issues around it because the parents don't die in a car crash in this one. Unlike they do in the original, there the parents are deported. So there's it's a two episode premiere, and you can already stream the first episode if you're curious. Over on the January tenth, which is a Friday, bunch of stuff. Most of it net, Netflix. We've got AJ and the Queen, which is the new comedy, a sitcom from Michael Patrick King, um, who of course co created Sex and the City, and it's also co created by RuPaul about a uh, a a young um. Well, the, the RuPaul's in it as Ruby Red, a drag queen who takes a ten-year-old with with him on uh, a cross-country road trip. Um, who and the ten-year-olds to runaway. Uh, by the way, these when I give a description, I pull those from Metacritic and also from IMDb. So that's where to give credit where it's due. Um, anyway, so I'm. Not really interested in this, but I'll probably check it out just for the RuPaul of it all. Um, there's also on the same day, Giri Haji, which is, uh, a, a British show, I think. Um, it airs a BBC Two fall. It's a crime thriller, uh, based, uh, on a clash between rival Yakuza gangs, uh, in, with action in, in London and Tokyo. So that's a little interesting. We've got medical police, which is the latest comedy from the NTSFSD SUV, NTSF colon SD colon SUV colon colon, and Children's Hospital team. Um, this is a satire of TV TV procedurals, so you know I'm gonna be there for that. It's on Netflix, and then uh, we have on NBC. Also on January 10th, Friday, January 10th, Lincoln Rhyme: Hunt for the Bone Collector, which is stars Russell Hornsby from Grimm as, uh, an adapting the Bone Collector, the novel that's been adapted at least once, maybe twice. Um, and, and trying to uh, have a, a a forensic specialist who has to retire when he's paralyzed, uh, who is working with a young detective to try to hunt down bad guys, basically. Um, uh,
1: yeah, have you seen this one? Yeah, I actually watched this one. If you enjoy Blind Spot and um <laughs> that that particular type of um NBC program, this is something for you. Um it's not like as like it's not a mystery box in the same way like Blacklist or Blind Spot are, but it's in that vein of we're going to do an action cop show. And it's that all the way through sort of thing. It's not as gory as I sort of anticipated it being, given that it's on Fridays, uh, which is normally where NBC kind of slots these shows now since Hannibal. Um, But it's fine for what it is. I found it kind of boring. Um, I think you should just kind of, if this is something that you're interested in, you should just watch the Denzel Angelina adaptation from the late 90s. Um, and be and be satisfied with that, even though that movie is also not particularly good. Um, so this was like fine. Um, I definitely will not be circling back for it. But if this is again, if you like NBC's police action stuff, this is something that will be very much in your wheelhouse. Okay. And what we've you- also run up to the point where Michael Imperioli plays seasoned police detectives. Now I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs>
0: Michael Imperioli also shows up in in one or two episodes of Lucifer as okay. well. Because everything's Lucifer for me right now, so I can't have to okay. mention it. Um, also, the same day, previous day, uh, is Zimbo's Just Desserts
1: Season 2! <gasps> Sorry, that was right into the microphone again, listeners, but I did not know that was coming back until just now, and I'm very excited. I, that. Yes, that's how I felt about it, too. Well, I guess I know what we're talking about that week. <laughs> Clearly. Well, do you, do you... Any thoughts on these shows?
0: AJ and the Queen, Giri Haji, Medical Police, Zumbo?
1: Um, I mean, I'm excited about Zumbo. Um, AJ and the Queen sounds interesting, and I'm going to definitely give that a shot, I think. I like the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, And I don't... I I am intrigued by the idea of Giri and Haji. Giri Haji. Um, So I'm also really curious to see what they do with the yakuza because the yakuza are just structured in such a weird way um, as a criminal enterprise within Japan so I'm actually really curious about how that gets depicted because they exist on that just barely side of legal that has made them impossible to stop um, in Japan so I'm really curious about how that gets conveyed really or if they're even going to bother convey at all or if they're just going to play up a bunch of oriental tropes about what the Yakuza are, air quotes. So, but yeah, I'll definitely check both of those out. Um, all three of them out. Um, not medical police, because I don't care. And I never really <laughs> watched them. Um, sh- I didn't really like Children's Hospital, and I never tried NTS, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, meh. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. on Sunday, uh, January 12th on HBO, we have The Outsider, which is the HBO adaptation of uh, Stephen King's horror novel. It's got Ben Mendelssohn, He's a detective uh, solving the murder of a, of a young boy. Um, then we've got Same Day on PBS, Sanditon, which I probably am pronouncing it wrong, but that's the adaptation on PBS, miniseries adaptation of Jane Austen's, uh, her final novel, which was Unfinished. Then we've got uh, Same Day uh, on HBO, the new pope which is like the sequel series to the young pope what it's on 13th on monday Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. This is on the 13th. On Monday the 13th. Uh, and all of these, by the way, 9pm Eastern. Um, so so that I didn't care about the young Pope, so I don't care about the new Pope, but I know a lot of people will nope. be very excited about it. Yes. Um, then there is uh, also on the 13th The Healing Powers of Dude, which is a comedy on Netflix uh, about an 11-year-old boy with social anxiety um, who has starts uh, middle school and turns to a, a, a mutt named Dude, a, sarcast- a sarcastic emotional support dog um who uh so so yeah so i don't know if the dog is talking or if the sarcasm is depicted in other ways but yeah that's interesting um it could be fun or it could be really stupid then on tuesday january 14th we've got the return of crisis with arrow and legends and I'll, i'll i'll let's pause there any of these of interest to you
1: um I probably will try Outsider because I like Ben Mendelsohn. Um, And then my partner also really likes Stephen King. So we'll probably give that a sample. Um, The rest of it, no. Um, Like, I may watch the first episode of Healing Powers of Dude. um, (laughs) Just to see how that
0: works. And whether a dog can play football.
1: Basketball. There's nothing in the rules that says he can't. (laughs) Um, So we'll see about that. But um, yeah, I... Nothing else really grabs me from that list. Um, are you gonna check out any of this aside from not checking out New Pope? Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, if you're watching Outsider, if it's good, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll check out a few episodes of that. Um, yeah, I mean. I don't. I'm not really feeling Austin right now, but maybe I'll be feeling Austin by the time we get to there, uh, to you know, in a couple weeks. Otherwise, probably not. Obviously, we're both excited about the return of Crisis, but other than that, I think that 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 takes care of it for me. Um, why don't you take over here on the fifteenth?
1: So, 15th Wednesday, over on the Paramount Network, we have 68 Whiskey, which is a dramedy adapted from an Israeli series, which is Charlie Golf 1, um, that deals with, uh, in this instance, um, American medics that are serving in Afghanistan. Uh, the poll line that we've got here is a modern-day mash, to which I go, that is a very high bar to clear, especially when you're doing 30-minute episodes. That feels a little ambitious. Let's let's just tone it down a little bit, folks. Um, <laughs> on Wednesday, the 15th, still, Netflix has the final season of Grace and Frankie dropping, which, sad eyes. Um, also, on Wednesday, the 15th, Sci-Fi begins, uh, The Magicians comes back, um, which will please a large number of people. That makes me go, has consistently made me go, did I just not get season one? Or do I need to go back to it because I did not like season one, yeah. but apparently it's really good. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that, yeah. That's exactly my takeout. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, on Thursday, January 16th on Freeform, everything's going to be okay, which centers on Nicholas, a typical 25 year old still living at home with a single dad and two teenage half sisters who are not helpful in raising his siblings. Um, one of which has autism. However, when their dad becomes terminally ill, the girls have to cope with not with not only a devastating loss, but also the realization that Nicholas is the one who will have to hold it all together. This sounds very freeform. form. Um, but also of a vein of sort of what's happening over on Zoe's imaginary playlist, and also sort of what's happening on an NBC show that we'll get to eventually with the Council of Dads. Um Weird, which weird. I think is missing um, from my list here. Do you want to tell us about the Council of Dads? I have not watched it. It just deals with yeah, and I forget when it's it's starting sometime in February, I think. Um, so yeah,
0: yeah. it's because you know what? it's not on the Metacritic
1: list. Oh, weird. but I'll,
0: I'll look it up while you're talking. Okay,
1: right. Um, so something that I was completely unaware of, um, that was happening Netflix on. Thursday, January 16th, drops the anime uh, Nino Kuni, which is an adaptation of the video game series that you can play, um, I think, exclusively on PS4. I've actually played a little bit of the first one. Um, here, this has uh, uh, kids involved in his childhood friends that forced them to go back and forth between a different world that is um, somewhat similar to their own, the real world, and Nino Kuni, um, the ultimate choice. Um, provided this is actually based on the video game based on that description it doesn't sound like it but maybe um, I have to look it up this is something I will probably check out just based on the name um, because again I didn't finish that game but I liked it what I played of it it has a very Ghibli aesthetic um, also Netflix on uh, January 17th this is Friday we get Ares which uh, deals with Dutch students in Amsterdam accidentally opened a portal to Demonic World from the Dutch Golden Age Okay. Okay, is what I say to that long line. Um, Friday, 17th, Disney Plus unveils its next original series, which is Diary of Future President. This is a loosely autobiographical series that follows a ambitious 12-year-old Cuban-American uh, girl uh, through middle school. Um, Gina Rodriguez is a, one of the producers on this and guest stars as a future version of this woman who becomes the president of the United States. Um, um, This is from Alana Alana Pena, who wrote the book that it's based on Um, over on Hulu for, for still on Friday, January 17th, we have endings, which is set in the near future and centers around four foster children who discover they're not alone in the world, following the disappearance of the last elephant on earth. I don't know. It was hard to find any information about this one. Okay. Fair. Fair, fair. Um, Friday, January 17th, still lots of stuff dropping. Um, Apple Plus has one of its new series, um, this time called Little America. Um, Let's see. Uh, This is an anthology series um, from Emily V. Gordon and Kumal Nanjiani, who's now ripped and disturbing. Um, (laughs) uh, The in this first season, the second season's are already uh, greenlit. We'll follow eight half hour tales of the immigrant experience in present day America, inspired by um, true stories reported in Little America from Epic Magazine. Um, this is going to be available all at once as opposed to Apple doing episodes once a week. So you have that to look forward to. That actually sounds good, but not enough to make me get Apple TV. Um, also, but what we will all be probably be watching on Friday, January 17th is sex education uh, comes back for season two. Yeah. For season two. Okay.
0: So it's a lot. Um, Yeah. Let's see. Obviously I I think I need to check making with Grace and Frankie just because you love it so much. And we haven't talked about it on the show Together, and that's on me. Um, vaguely curious about Diary Future President. Uh, curious about Little little American, obviously, sex education, and a little curious about uh, um, these two Netflix shows, the uh, Nino Kuni and and Aries. So, well, maybe we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Um now over on the 18th of January, uh BBC America has Seven Worlds, One Planet, which is a documentary miniseries about, you know, it's the latest David Attenborough jam. Um mm-hmm. on Sunday, January 19th, we've got 911 Lone Star, which is the spin-off of 911 with Rob Lowe and Liv Tyler and it's set in Austin. Um on <laughs> yeah. On uh, January 19th on HBO, we've got Curb coming back for season 10 with a bunch of interesting guest stars. Uh, then there's also, uh, the debut of Avenue 5, which actually I'll be covering for the AV Club, which is the oh, latest, cool. uh, Armando Iannucci show. It's eight, uh, eight episodes in the first season. Um, the, it's, it's a sci-fi satire set in the future aboard a luxury, like, cruise ship, interplanetary cruise sh- yeah. yeah, space yacht, um, but then uh, something goes wrong and they end up years away from Earth with months of supplies. So, hmm, I wonder what themes maybe he could be dealing with about a uh, gilded, beautiful luxury liner ending up, like, going massively off course and seeing... You know, if they can survive. So I'm sure there'll be lots of class and political and social commentary in there as well. You get Hugh Laurie with a
1: beard. You get Hugh Laurie
0: with a beard. And the whole cast is really good. So uh, we'll see see what happens with that. Uh, Also, same day on PBS, we have Vienna Blood, which is a six-episode BBC-produced crime drama set in the early 1900s. And that is all I know. Um, Let's see. The next day, that week on the CW, all the CW shows come back. So Black Lightning, Legends Tomorrow. Everything except for Flash, which comes back when Arrow is done. Um, we've got on, uh, January 22nd, which is Wednesday on Comedy Central. Aquafina is Nora from Queens, which is a half hour comedy, uh, starring uh, and created by Aquafina, which is it's like a semi autobiographical show. There's some, some good, uh, cast in there as well, including Beatty Wong, and, uh, there's some other, there's some other, uh, uh, people I, I appreciate. Bo Yang is going to be in there, Lori Tan Chen. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that one. But I'm certainly, I think Comedy Central's had a good track record. I like, I still haven't seen the other two, but I keep hearing really good things about it. That's one I plan to kind of circle back around to. Um, but yeah, I'm going to check that one out. Then I guess I'll do Thursday here. We've got January 23rd on Freeform. The Bull Type is back. Are you going to come back or not? Cause like I, I'm a season behind at this point.
1: Yeah, um, probably I'm surprised it's back already. Yeah. Um, because normally it's like a summer, I feel like. Um, so yeah, I'll come back. I, I legitimately don't remember what happened. Because I just the previous season did not grab me. But I'll come back and like, let you know. But I don't think that there's any reason for you to rush to see it.
0: Okay, good to know. Um, uh, also on Thursday, January 23rd, a bunch of shows. We've got The Deadlands on Shudder, which is a horror series. This is an adaptation of a New Zealand film. Um, after a, his tribe is slaughtered through an act of te- treachery, the teenage son of a slain Maori chieftain looks to avenge his father's murder and bring peace and honor to the souls of his le- loved ones. Netflix has The Ghost Bride, a woman living in 1890s colonial... Era Malacca uh, receives a proposal to become the ghost bride of a wealthy family's recently deceased son. Weird. Don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Intriguing. There's on um, Sundance Now, there's a show, The Red Shadows, which um, the title on IMDb is The French of that um in 1993 a five-year-old clara was abducted during the handover of money her mother was killed and clara disappeared 25 years later Uh, a police officer aurora her clara's older sister finds clues proving that she is alive in italy so intriguing there Uh, also still on thursday the january 23rd on netflix we have uh, october faction a fantasy series um it follows the adventures of a retired monster hunter and his family which includes a thrill killer a witch and a warlock so i, I don't know what a thrill killer is um it, i feel like it could go one of two ways somebody who kills for fun or someone who's like the, one of the 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 energy vampires and <laughs> what we do in the shadows so who knows uh, then we have also the same day on Fox, Outmatched, which is Fox's new sitcom. Um, Their the only new sitcom from this year, live action, that is. It's from the L.A. To Vegas creator. And it's about uh, Jason Biggs and Maggie Lawson, a blue center, uh, blue-collar center, couple who are have four kids, three of whom are certified geniuses. And the fourth probably is, too, but they didn't have enough money to get cer- the fourth kid certified. Um, so, like, regular parents, genius kids. Hence, they are outmatched. But the most uh, high-profile premiere from that day is CBS All Access, which is dropping uh, the at least the premiere of Star Trek Picard, which we all know what that means. Um, so, there's a lot of TV that week. Any that of it is. stand
1: out? So, I'm um, gonna try Avenue 5, because I'm just curious about it. Um, I haven't watched Comedy Central really in any dedicated way since, like, i Broad City was like the last thing, but that was the only thing I was watching on there. Um, so I'm, I'll check out, uh, Aquafina's Nora from Queens. Um, and then I really liked LA to Vegas a lot. Um, so I'll probably give out Match a shot, but I mean, we both know we're gonna watch Picard. Um, so we're gonna watch Logan in space. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but yeah, so that's about what I'm, Uh, keen on. Um, what about you? Anything?
0: Well, obviously, I'm
1: obviously doing
0: doing Avenue Q, but um, uh, but yeah, I like Avenue Five. Sorry, (laughs) thank you. Avenue Avenue Five. (laughs) That is gonna be. I'm gonna really want to call it Avenue Q a bunch. I like almost typed Avenue Q several times when I was pitching for it. Um, the Aquafina show. I'm very curious about that, and some of these other shows like that are internet like these. Netflix shows that are describing that seem very strange. Um, yeah. That's because I they're the international shows that are getting ported over to to mm-hmm. U.S. Netflix. There's some really interesting ones. I just don't anticipate having enough time to watch yeah. them. But the, there's some like intriguing premises, and certainly like normally the Red Shadows, like five year old is abducted, and like I, I feel like I've seen that show. But like I don't know. There's some interesting elements there that could be. That could be really fun. So I feel like there are shows here that could totally not pan out or could be really interesting and like kind of hidden gems.
1: Yeah. I need to try Ghost Bride. I don't like that premise is just weird.
0: Yeah. What even is that? You're right.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Why don't you
0: kick things off with the next week?
1: Yeah, so January 24th on Friday on Netflix, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina comes back for its next season, um, following its uh, first season, and then a Christmas special? Halloween special? I forget (laughs) which. I didn't watch it. Um, uh, Also on Friday, January 24th, also on Netflix, uh, The Ranch comes back for what I believe is, is its final season. I'm pretty sure. I think they're done. Um, so that'll be back. I am way behind on the ranch, um, and I don't like that I am, because I genuinely do like that show. Um, Friday, January 24th, also sees the premiere of Shrill Season 2 on the fence about if I'll come back for that. Um, January 28th, which is a Tuesday, Miracle Workers Dark Ages, uh, premieres on TBS, which is a... The cast of um Miracle Workers, which was a very underwhelming comedy last year, um returns to do a Black Adder-esque totally new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kate, I should give credit for, is the one who called it Blackadder-esque. So I may check that out because I like that idea. Um
0: I really like that cast. And watching yeah. Dan Radcliffe just make interesting choices. Yes. Like post Harry Potter is like it's similar to Gyllenhaal, Hall, right? Where it's just yeah. like Okay and Basemi's back and and Jlodin uh, is back and like like the rest of the cast. So like yeah, the issues with that show were not any of the cast. Uh, no, so they just the
1: they needed a
0: new idea, <laughs> they needed some new ideas. So yeah. hopefully they can bring that to see you know, this new season.
1: Yeah. Uh January 29th on Wednesday, uh Netflix drops um, Omniscient um, in a future where each citizen is monitored 24-7 by a drone, a woman discovers a murder unaccounted for by the surveillance system and investigates why. So if minority report and person of interest is your bag. Um, maybe this is too. Um, Thursday, uh, sorry Friday, uh, January 31st uh, Netflix has two imports. Uh, The first is Luna Nira, which is a group of women are suspected of witchcraft in 17th century Italy. And then we have Ragnarok, in which a small Norwegian town is experiencing warm winters and violent downpours, which seems to be heading for another Ragnarok which is the end of the world, unless someone intervenes in time. Um, So unless this deals with a A lot of good needle drops and fighting a giant wolf on a rainbow bridge. Um, Maybe. Um, Wednesday, uh, February 5th, over on Fox, we have Lego Masters, which has Brad Pitt produced um, this crafting competition that finds 12 teams of two working exclusively in the medium of Legos, as hosted by Will Arnett. I feel like part of this show needs to involve kids, walking on Legos while these people pretend not to notice they're in, the kids are in pain. Just like a reversal of how that works. Um. February sixth on Thursday on USA we have Briar Patch, which is created by Andy Greenwald and produced by Sam Ishmael. Um, this is an anthology series that follows a different story each season, which is what an anthology series is. Uh, season one adapts the 1984 Ross Thomas novel uh, that is also called Briar Patch, which has Rosario Dawson as a political fixer who returns to a small town. Texas uh, hometown to investigate her sister's suspicious death. Um, Kim Dickens is here. Alan Cumming is here. um, Ed Asner is here. um, Critics who apparently saw the first two episodes at TIFF um, had some tentative enthusiasm for the series based on this Metacritic uh, description. I go, that sounds okay, maybe?
0: (laughs) I go, Rosario Dawson!
1: Yes. But also,
0: and like, I like these cast people, they're saying, Kim Dickens I will always watch, but also I need more.
1: Greenwald. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I go Greenwald and go, oh. Mm. Um, Thursday, stolen Thursday, February 6th, there's a number of shows premiering um today, so stick with me, everyone um Thursday uh Brooklyn 99 comes back on NBC um and also on NBC at 9:30 is indebted um which is a falsely um on this meta description it is not a single cam this is a multi cam um full house comedy that has Adam Adam pa- Paley, Polly Adam Paley. Polly. yeah um, Abby Elliott as a young married couple that are raising a pair of kids that you barely see in the first two episodes, and they suddenly find themselves uh, forced to take in his parents, played by uh, Fran Drescher, doing her voice for the nanny for some inexplicable reason, and Stephen Weber in full-on we're-going-to-be-a-Jewish-dad mode after they run into major debt problems. Uh, the series is from Dan Levy, but not the Dan Levy that does Schitt's Creek, the other Dan Levy um it's not good listeners it's aggressively bad do not watch it um then still on thursday february 6th cbs all access has interrogation which is based on the true crime story of a man convicted of murdering his mother but who has spent two decades proclaiming his innocence um all the episodes are going to be available to stream at once which is a departure for cbs all access and but interestingly is designed to be viewed in any order apart from the first and the last episodes. Interesting. Um, Mainly because it's structured as a series of interrogation. This is Peter Sarsgaard and David Sarsgaard in the cast. Fascinating. Hmm. Um, I'm already going to have all access for Picard, so maybe why not? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, CBS, uh, sorry, not CBS. The CW premieres this final newcomer for the season, which is the Katie Keene spinoff. Uh, Riverdale with um lucy Hale um, a fashion designer who uh, befriends um the Riverdale character Josie McCoy who I think has is leaving Riverdale because they didn't know what to do with her because she's black um there are other two young artists uh, it's gonna have a lighter tone than Riverdale but I also assume that um it will have less weird mystery supernatural stuff but it also takes place five years after Riverdale which doesn't explain why Joseph McCoy would be leaving Riverdale okay weird um the sinner returns on USA on Thursday February 6th um so there you go um thursday february 6th which will um round out what i'm going to talk about um (laughs) cbs has the premiere of tommy which is edie falco as a new york cop who moves to the to become the first lapd uh female chief of police um Michael Curnis is here. Um this very much sounds like an intended heir to Blue Bloods to me. Um just uh, based on the premise. I did not carve out time to watch the pilot though, um, because I did have access to it, but I went nah. Um so this was a lot of programming. Yeah. Anything you're interested in, apart from like Miracle Workers for sure, probably, and yeah. B99, obviously.
0: Yeah. Um well, I feel like First of all, I could see myself binging an entire season of Lego Masters after it's finished. Yes. Um, But not watching it week to week. Um, I am intrigued by Lunar and Ragnarok on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Those could be really good and completely overlooked because, again, they're in other languages. They're not in English. Um, Or they could just be not interesting. Who knows? But, uh, maybe those and, uh, maybe, uh, the interrogation thing, if we might talk about that on the show, maybe. Um, but certainly I'm, I'm more interested in, in Miracle Workers and maybe Briar Patch and certainly Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So, uh, Tommy, the part of, of that I'm excited about has Adelaide Clemens, who of course was wonderful on, um, Rectify, uh, but probably not enough to watch it anytime soon. So that's sort of where I'm at. Any other thoughts on those?
1: No, like I kind of like chimed in with my thoughts on it. (laughs) You're good. You're good.
0: Okay. I'll take over Friday, February 7th on HBO. High maintenance comes back. Uh, same day over at Netflix. We have uh, finally at long last the adaptation of Lock and Key. Um, this is the adaptation of the, the graphic novel and it's a 10 episode season. Um, and it still has uh, uh, Carlton Cuse in charge, along with Meredith Avril. Uh, but there's a new cast and a new, new take on it. It's it's about a mother of three children and a murdered husband. a set of keys that provide supernatural powers. So, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, we have on Netflix, My Hollow Love, which is a sci-fi Korean show. Unexpected Love finds a lonely woman uh, when she forms a connection with a human-like hologram who looks exactly like his prickly creator. Mm -hmm. Then over uh, on Apple Plus that same day, February 7th, we have Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet, which comes from Always Sunny's, uh, Rob McElhinney, Charlie Day, and Megan, as well as Megan Ganz. And it's about the employees of a video game developer... Um, there's Danny Pudi, uh, McElhaney, F. Murray Abraham, Always Fun, and David Hornsby, and they're going to drop all nine episodes of that on that same day. Over uh, on that Sunday, Homeland is back, February 9th. Wait, I don't that was over. I know, I'm very confused by that, but apparently Homeland is coming back, unless there was a mistake at Metacritic. On Tuesday, February 11th, on ABC, we have For Life, which is a drama um, from 50 Cent, and uh, it's inspired by the true story of Isaac Wright Jr., a wrong, wrong, wrongly convicted drug killer kingpin who was eventually exonerated and became a lawyer, um, ultimately arguing cases in the same court where he was given a life sentence. Um, so it starts with the main character still in prison and goes from there. Dear Varma's in there, uh, Glenn Fleshler, Johnny uh, Missick, uh, Mace- uh, Mary Stuart Masterson. So there's some good cast in that one. Um, yeah, the fact that it's based on true could be a good thing or could be not the best thing. Survivor is coming back on February twelfth, which will you know I'm not going to be watching it, but after the controversy around last season, right. it'll
1: be interesting to see if there'll be any changes. Well, they filmed both seasons, I think, like in relative this season and the season that just finished, like mm-hmm. kind of really close together. So oh, okay, I'd have I'd have to talk to friend of the show Corey Barker, who's still very tapped into Survivor about this, but he mentioned that I think this season was filmed. Very quickly after the controversy in the previous season. Okay. Um, so there may not be anything done necessarily here, but I'd have to double check.
0: Okay, um, over uh, on Netflix on Feb- on Thursday, February thirteenth, we have the return of of Narcos, and then on F- Friday, February fourteenth, on Hulu, we have the new High Fidelity, um, uh, which started out at Disney Plus but moved over to to Hulu. This is the um, obviously people have read the book or seen the movie, but it stars Zoe Kravitz in a gender reversed, uh, cha- you know, like a take on it, which will be interesting because the gender roles are pretty significant and like it's a big part of in, the original yeah, yeah in the yeah. theme so interesting interesting um on sunday february 16th on fox we have duncanville which is uh, a new animated comedy that's taking the bless the hearts time slot and this is from amy poehler and mike scully um and uh, and julie thackeray scully uh it follows the adventures of a quote particularly average average 15 year old boy named duncan voiced by amy poehler um there's uh you, the, the the animation is from the studio that does Bob's Burgers. So we'll see what happens there. Same day on Showtime, we have The Good Lord Bird, which is a eight-episode miniseries. And it's an adaptation of the award-winning novel by James McBride about 19th-century ab- abolitionist John Brown, who is played by Ethan Hawke. That could certainly be interesting. David Diggs plays Frederick Douglass. Wyatt Russell's in it. David Moore, Steve Zahn, Orlando Jones, L.R. Coltrane. However, I will say... One of my things, as you will, will remember, I'm sure, Noel, is when they're listing their cast, do they only list dudes? And once yeah. again, they only list dudes, uh, which is very frustrating and points towards, uh, towards the various expectations and priorities of the show. But um, yeah, that's... I'm surprised I haven't heard more about that one.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, same day on February Sunday, February 16th, Outlanders back on Stars. We've got Slow Burn over an Epics, which is a six-part documentary, um, adaptation of the 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 podcast on Slate of the same name, which is about Watergate. Then we have War of the Worlds, also an Epics, uh, which is a sci-fi eight-part adaptation of the the H.G. Wells novel or story, novel. Novels. Thank you. Uh, on February 19th, which is a Wednesday on IFC, we've got Year of the Rabbit, which is a six episode British comedy from Matt Barry um, and where he's playing a police detective in Victorian era London, I'm sure, doing his Matt Berry thing. Uh, and that, uh, yeah, I'm going to pass it to you now. <laughs> I was going to yeah. finish out February, but I'll pass it to you. First of all, I just threw out two weeks of shows at you. Any of those stick out?
1: I mean... A lot of this is on stuff that um, I don't have access to, like Epics or Showtime. Um, Good Lord Bird sounds just really fascinating to me. Um, I'm really curious about that. Um, I'm probably going to at least check out the first episode of Lock and Key just to, like, this show's been just passed around for so long um, that I'm just like, what even will it look like? So I think just, like, the sheer what even factor of it I'm there for. But I think like the thing I'm most intrigued by is high fidelity because of the gender swap. Um because like you said, the gender roles in High Fidelity are like overly significant. Like um to the point where I don't know that I could watch or read it right now. But I liked Zoe Kravitz a lot. And also that's just it's an interesting concept and I'm curious to see how that plays and more importantly to see if they have readjusted that narrative to account for the reversal Um, because if they haven't then this is not a good program but if they have it could be it could be a really interesting thing for them to explore and then again it's the adaptation thing then there's a reason to do this adaptation right exactly yeah yeah um so february 23rd amc come this is sunday february 23rd amc's two headline shows come back the walking dead is back and better call saul are back Woo! people who like better call saul i'm very excited for you um this is is this their last season or they're approaching their last season i'm
0: not sure i don't want to say because then i'll Get it right. I won't tease you about
1: it the way I tease you about <laughs> Limitless.
0: Well, we have to um, always tease me about Limitless because, I mean, come on.
1: It's, it's, it's our thing. And also Limitless yeah. was so our jam. But anyways. Um, so on February 27th, uh, Thursday, Netflix has the show Followers. So this is the IMDb description for this. Um, in every corner of the world, robotic people join social networks and give their time and privacy in the w- name of connectedness. These people are social voyeurs, narcissists, attention addicts. Japan is not any different. A woman is a photographer. Another arrives in the country's capital looking for her fame. People are inspired by a social network star. That is just gibberish.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So I don't know what that is. Um, On February 28th, on Friday on Netflix, we get Queen Sano, uh, which is a drama about a secret agent who fights crime while dealing with crises in her personal life um on march 1st uh, over on amc we get dispatches from elsewhere um jason siegel is back from television and also back back from his muppet exile i guess um with this mysterious anthology series that he created and is also producing you get 10 hour long episodes about four ordinary people challenged to uncover a mystery hiding within their city it's philadelphia um, a concept based loosely on the real-life San Francisco alternative alternate reality game called Game of Nonchalance. This has Sally Field, Andre 3000, Richard Grant, and Eva and Eve Lindley. Um, a new episode also follows up on Monday night at ten, which is the show's regular spot. That sounds kind of interesting, huh? I, I did not know. I had never heard of this ARG. Had you?
0: No, I had not. But I mean, that doesn't surprise me that that seems like a very logical ARG to do.
1: Yeah. And also a very logical place for that in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ugh, San Francisco. (laughs) Um, March 6th on Friday on Hulu, we get Hillary, which is a four part documentary about the life and career of... Hillary Rodham Clinton, did you think it was going to be Hillary Duff? Um, March 16th over on HBO we get the plot against America which is David Simon's latest project Um, it's a six part adaptation of Philip Roth's 2004 novel that involve. oh that's what this is, okay that imagines an alternate American history in which uh, Charles Lindbergh is elected uh, president in 1940, leading America on the path towards fascism. Um, Winona Ryder, John Turturro, uh, Morgan Spector, and Zoe uh, Kazayan, uh head up the cast. <sighs> David Simon has soured on me a lot, mm-hmm. but I do like that premise a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, David, I'm not as hot on him as I used to be but this sounds interesting and have I learned my lessons or is this going to be the exact same re- reaction I had
1: to the last thing he did? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, is this whatever the porn thing is again? God, I hope not. Mm. Um. So Hulu on March 18th, Wednesday, March 18th has the adaptation of Little Fires Everywhere. Golly, that was fast. Um. This is Reese Witherspoon's and Kerry Washington producing and starring. Um. Well, it's been two years, but three but still really fast um mm. the best-selling novel of the same name from um celestine um joshua jackson rosemary dewitt are also in this uh, my person read that last year and really really enjoyed it um and i've heard nothing but good things about it have you had an opportunity to read this
0: no i the the name pings and is familiar to me but i i don't know anything about it actually so okay. we'll see yeah
1: um, of interest to both of us, however, on a Friday, uh, not Friday, Thursday, February. March. I oh, March. Wrong. Yeah. March. Yeah. Sorry. March 19th, Thursday. Bravo. The Top Chef comes back with its, uh, next all-star season, which we're excited about. Um, Netflix on March 20th has Self-Made, um, Inspired by the Life of Madam C.J. Walker. This is going to star Octavia Spencer about... Madam C.J. Walker, um, who was one of the early 20th century millionaires, uh, but she was also the only Black woman who was um, one such woman who made her uh, fortune off uh, cosmetics and skincare products. Haircare uh Hair care haircare as well. Uh, C.J. Walker's fascinating woman. So I'm definitely here for mm-hmm. this. Tiffany Haddish, Blair Underwood, uh, Bill Bellamy, and Garrett Morris, and Car- Carmen Ija. E-jo-go? E. Joe. Go. I. Yeah. Also star in this as well. Um, I'm here for that. Um, yeah.
0: I had not heard of this at all, but
1: yeah. yeah, it's about damn time there
0: was a C.J. Walker movie
1: or miniseries. It so. really is. I feel like there's definitely been one maybe before this, like a made-for-TV. Te- I think there's I'm almost positive there's been a made-for-TV movie probably made in the 70s, 80s, or 90s like, about it, but um, about her, I should say. But don't don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, on April third, last two shows here. April third on Netflix, uh, we have Money Heist, which is a group of unique robbers assault the factory. Um, why are you giving me this, Kate? Maneda um, and Timber. <laughs> thank you. I don't know uh, if that's carry- actually how
0: it's pronounced, but we're going to go yeah. for it.
1: To carry out the most perfect robbery in the history of Spain and take home two point four billion euros. This is a Spanish show. Yeah, And then finally, on April 5th, over on PBS, uh, World on Fire seven-part masterpiece drama set across five countries during World War II. This is Helen Hunt, Sean Bean, I bet he dies, Leslie Manville, <laughs> Blake, Blake Harrison, and Jonah Har-King. Um, so, England, France, Germany, Poland, the United States during World War II. Sure, maybe. I'll have to see like a trailer or something, but I bet Sean Bean dies. So, any of this appealing to you followers uh queen sono dispatches from elsewhere hillary are we going to discuss hillary i feel like we're probably going to discuss
0: hillary <laughs> well, the uh, the two i'm most excited about are the ones we already ha- highlighted so top chef yeah. and self-made on um, the cj walker miniseries so those are the two i'm really pinging to of those but i did yeah. want to throw out in here at the end council of dads which does yeah. not have a premiere date but is tentatively set for march this is on nbc did you watch this
1: one I almost started to, but then I decided to watch Indebted instead. Um, mostly, I don't want this to succeed because I want Tom Everett Scott to still have time to do I'm Sorry. To do I'm Sorry, yeah. This um, is
0: starring Tom Everett Scott. And who is the co-lead
1: on that one? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but basically, I can give the premise for it at least. Go for um, it, yeah. A, a dad finds out that he has some sort of terminal cancer. And he does not want his daughters to grow up without advice from dads. So he enlists three folks, including his AA sponsor, his best friend, and I forget who the third guy is. The
0: doctor who is the best friend of his wife, played by Sarah Wayne Kellys.
1: Thank you. Um, To kind of be there for his daughters, basically. Um, It's based on a book of the same title. Um, And I go well this just sounds like godfathers that's what godfathers are for (laughs) um yeah but there you go
0: (laughs) there you go so lots of shows 86 Uh shows uh yeah there's a few that we're looking out for and i'm I'm glad that we did this because there are certainly many others that would have slipped through the cracks yeah including zumbo um that i'm very glad to know are coming so uh yeah thank you for helping me go through that and uh pick three Three that you're most excited about?
1: I closed the thing, Kate. Yeah, I didn't expect by memory,
0: which three do you remember?
1: <laughs> um, the CJ Walker, almost certainly, I think is probably the one I'm most looking forward to. Um, Avenue 5 is the one I'm most curious about. But I'm super, super excited to watch Zumbos with my partner again. Because we had a blast doing that last time, like over the summer. So I'm very excited about that. What yeah.
0: about you? Those I, those are excellent picks. I'm gonna CC and just copy there. Um, Cheater. Think, well, but also Cheater. okay. I'm, I'm gonna be reviewing Avenue Five, so I'm definitely watching Avenue Five. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and and for reality, I will do Top Chef instead. Um. But but no, there's there's quite a few there that are are interesting, and I'm not necessarily gung-ho excited about them, but I think that's actually probably better, because last year there were a few that I was really excited for that did not pan out. So, heading into the year, like, intrigued but not overly optimistic I think is Mm. probably a good way to do it. So, that's where we will leave our Winter TV preview. A few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, which is our website where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV and what you think of the upcoming season's TV. You can email us theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can find us with an M4A chaptered feed in Apple Podcasts as well as an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also over in Stitcher. We appreciate ratings and reviews. And of course, we are both at uh, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. Noel, you are?
1: At Noel R. Okay.
0: Thanks, Don. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Oh, I got distracted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dol. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.